now I would like Maury to introduce our special guests. Sure. So tonight's show is called Illusion, Coma, Pimp, and Circumstance. It is exploring Prince as a brand and the marketing genius that he was. So we have some amazing guests with us tonight. Uh, joining us are Alan Bolio, who is a princess photographer from early on. Many of us know him from his uh, work in The Dirty Mind and Controversy in 1999. We also have uh, Sam Jennings here, and Sam was uh, the, one of the Webby Award winners from the MPG Music Club. I have my $80 t-shirt, Sam. It was great while it lasted. I <laughs> love the MPG Music Club. Um, and we have Afshin Shahidi, who's a photographer and filmmaker and began collaborating with friends in the 90s. And last but certainly not least, we have Troy Gua, who is an awesome artist extraordinaire who's gonna be sharing his work with us as all the artists will be tonight. Um, so the Prince paradigm, the purple paradigm began as uh, a conversation between Robin and I, uh, who have been, we've been friends for a really long time. We met uh, waiting online for Prince tickets actually um, in, the, in the early nineties. Yes, going to act one at Radio City Music Hall. And uh, when Prince passed away, of course, uh, like most people on this call, we were very devastated. And it took us a while to get it together, but we wanted to make sure that we were preservers of the legacy um, in, in our own right. And really giving the fans, as Prince liked to call us, not fans, an opportunity to lean into the world that he had so created for us and to have voice in that world. Uh, and we wanted to create a forum, a platform basically, where the fans can come and engage in that world. So the Purple Paradigm is that platform and we're so grateful to have you all join us. This is our third episode and we're gonna keep on going hard with this. Shout out to DJ Raspberry, AKA Katarina Pierre uh, for blessing us with some tunes coming in. And Robin is gonna set us off with the mission statement. For every episode, we have a mission behind what we're looking at in terms of the preservation of legacy. So Robin's gonna hit us off with the mission statement around branding and marketing. Hello, and welcome to The Purple Paradigm. My name is Robin Chemez, and I'm here to present you with our mission statement for episode three, entitled Illusion, Coma, Pimp, and Circumstance. Prince as Brand. On this episode, we spoke about Prince as a branding and marketing genius. So what do we mean by the term brand? What does this have to do with Prince and why is this important? By definition, the word brand in the world of marketing would typically be described as a name, symbol, or design that represents or distinguishes a product or a company, particularly from its competitors. So when you think of Prince, besides his musicianship, obviously, what immediately comes to your mind? For me, the strongest representation of Prince is a symbol, and the symbol basically evolved with him. I remember drawing that first version of that symbol on my notebook when I was a teenager. Today, when you see the final version, you think of him. That is not an accident. Mitch Monson, co-designer of the symbol said, when you go to Paisley Park and see all of the memorials, you see the symbol everywhere. How can an artist not be inspired by that? We might possibly see a current or future artist that is inspired and adopts this sort of representation. If you can find that one symbol that represents who and what you are and what you believe in, it can translate in any country and in any language. Plus, I believe people are more inspired by a symbol than by a word. 
think about the genius behind this. Prince is the first and only artist, at least that I know of, that basically gave himself a logo. And of course, purple. He is also the only music artist that I know of that was given his own shade of color by Pantone. The color is represented by Prince's symbol, and the color is called love symbol number two. Third for me would be his shoes, because when you see a pair of his shoes, you know who wore them. Next would be his guitars. When I'm 99 years old and you show me a pic of Prince's infamous Honor Telecaster or one of his cloud guitars, I may not remember who I am, but I definitely will remember who played those guitars. So now let's talk about the term marketing. What's the difference between branding and marketing? Well, marketing is the practice of actively refining your brand and bringing it to the masses in ways that are memorable, meaningful, and keeps them wanting more. If we take these definitions and apply them to Prince, it's fair to say that he was as much a branding and marketing genius as he was a musical genius. For Prince, a key component in how he marketed himself, beyond his iconic performances, was his very image. Prince equaled image imagery. Prince was always willing to go to the next level in how he presented himself to you. Now, I know it's hard to narrow it down, but when you think of Prince's most memorable video or performance, what do you think of? And by that I mean, which are the ones that were the ones that all of your friends were talking about at school or work the next day after they premiered? What impression were you left with after you watched them? Well, this is my short list of definable moments that made an indelible impression on me through the years. American Bandstand. For many, this was the first real introduction to Prince, and during the interview portion, he remained mostly silent. Basically, he snubbed Dick Clark. A very bold move, and he does it while wearing a rose gold blouse, gold spandex pants, his hair in a blowout, and blinking those incredible eyes of his. America, Dick, and the bandstand did not know what hit them. Next would be Controversy. I was all in on this song. I remember it resonating with me because he recites the Lord's Prayer, and I went to Catholic school and pretty much had to say it all the time. In the video, he's singing and dancing around in what appears to be some type of pseudo-church. He's wearing a black trench coat, white church lady blouse with a skinny tie wrapped around his neck, and oh my... A minute or so in, he reveals a flash of high thigh meat. This was around the time when I started to take notice of him. He was a little scary, but I was intrigued. I was 11. Next would have to be Windows Cry. When the door opens and he crawls out of the bathtub and reaches out, I was only 13, but my thought was, yeah, I'm going with you, Prince. I literally needed to know everything that there was to know about this fascinating artist after I saw this vision. And even though he was naked, supposedly, my 13-year-old brain didn't process it as cheesy or sleazy. I actually saw him as innocent and vulnerable. He reaches out to take us on a journey with him. Next would be the VMA performance of Get Off with his booty out pants. Now, okay, this one was just about Prince showing us his bum but the lace and the tailoring on that suit is just impeccable. Shout out to Stacia Lang. I mean, look at that suit. 
Next will be the Super Bowl. I was a grown-ass woman of 36, had seen him countless times in concert, but yet here I was blown again away. He literally conjured purple rain and then this imagery. Now I could go on. I mean, I can't make a sufficient list because there are so many moments, but you get what I'm saying. The point here is that Prince always kept you talking. And I'm here to make the case that all of these legendary moments were evidence of his marketing genius. To always get inside your head a little bit, even if you didn't totally get it. For those who took the trip beyond the surface conversation, we knew there was an often bigger picture and a deeper story there. But even those who didn't really get it, they were still talking the next day. Next would be fashion. Now I briefly mentioned his clothing, and I'll do a more expansive analysis of prints and fashion in a future episode, but I need to jump back to fashion here for just a moment. Fashion is as much a part of Prince's brand as his symbol. Many, many times over the years, I have heard people say things like, only Prince would wear that, referring to his clothing and his fashion sensibilities. Think about this. If Prince wore it, he pretty much took ownership of the style, and not many other people, artists, anyone, would dare to go there. Now that's a fashion icon and a branding mastermind. Last, I want to touch on the storylines that often accompanied the music. Most albums had a storyline, some more defined than others. Take, for instance, the Symbol album. The storyline around it was magical, an escapist fantasy love story about a wild musician who falls in love with a young virginal Egyptian princess named Maite. There was something about three chains of gold and some men who killed her father, which never really made sense to me, but the rest of the story really swept me away. I almost felt like years later, Princess let, Prince let us know about a marketing hitch. With the song Greatest Romance It's Ever Been Sold, I kind of always felt like he was telling us that it was a marketing ploy. I don't know. I've just always had the feeling that Greatest Romance was about that story and the Symbol album, especially since it was the most expansive storyline since his actual movies. Who knows for sure if that was the reference, but it definitely got me thinking, and it still does. So, why is all of this important? Because I believe everything Prince did was intentional. The objective of the artist should be to move people and leave them inspired. But with Prince, there was always so much more. At the beginning of the song, Artificial Cage, Prince says, welcome home, class, and hopefully you were paying attention. Prince basically confirmed for us that he was literally taking us to school with every step he made. There are significant tools, techniques, and precedents Prince set down for artists young and old to study, learn from, and utilize. I believe among his greatest lessons, one of the most significant was how to get inside people's heads and hearts occupy space in ways that are memorable, meaningful, and keeps them wanting more. Thank you. So next, I wanted to just introduce our special guests one more time and just give you a little bit more background around them and their accomplishments. Um, first, we had Alan Beaulieu. Alan worked with Prince from the late 1970s into the early 80s, capturing his progression from rising star to legendary status. Alan is also responsible for creating iconic album cover images and promotional photos for Prince during the groundbreaking Dirty Mind controversy 
1999 eras, while also capturing live performances on tour with Prince. If you don't have his book, Prince Before the Rain, please go get it. Next, we have Sam Jennings. Sam was co-founder of the Webby Award-winning MPG Music Club, art director for multiple Prince albums, including 3121, Planet Earth, and the recent One Night Alone collection released by Sony and the Prince Estate. Next is Afshin Shahidi. Afshin is a photographer and filmmaker who began collaborating with Prince in 1993. He started as a camera assistant on video sets and eventually became Prince's cinematographer and still photographer until the late 2000s. He also has an awesome book out called Prince of Private View, and go get that one as well if you don't have it. It's great. And speaking of 3121 and Planet Earth, Afshin took the photos that became the album cover art that Sam created. Last but certainly not least, we have Troy Gua. Born and raised in Seattle, Troy Gua is a self-taught visual artist who grew up in the 70s and 80s America with images and icons that have been imprinted into his psyche, fueling a prolific output of pop-infused conceptual work in a, in a diverse range of media, marrying popular to contemporary with wit and a crisp design aesthetic. He considers Prince to be his most profound influence and inspiration. With his Le Petit Prince pieces, he has wonderfully recreated some amazing moments in Prince's career in photos inspired by our guest photographers. I asked Troy to speak to us about Prince's influence on him as a visual artist, and he was kind enough to create a video that speaks to that influence and gives us a little more insight on Troy and his work. So here it is. Check it out. Hi, I'm Troy Gua, visual artist and designer from Seattle, Washington. And Purple Paradigm invited me to participate in this episode to talk about how Prince has influenced my work as a visual artist. And that's a long answer. So in order to make sure I don't forget any crucial points I want to make, I am presenting this video to you. But before we get started, I want to acknowledge and thank the other guests, Alan, Afshin, and Sam, whose work with Prince has absolutely directly inspired my work about Prince. And I am just honored and, and grateful to have been invited to participate in this episode with you guys. Thanks to Purple Paradigm and everybody involved. Um, now, without getting too autobiographical, I think I was born with a creative streak and I need to express myself as what we categorize as visual art. Um, and I was always the art kid growing up in all the classes and I took the role on with pride and relished it. And my dad would bring home extra paper from the office and I would see that as an endless supply of possibilities. But it wasn't until I was 13 and discovered prints that I began to realize and think about the way I wanted to be an artist. Today I'm mostly known in the Prince fam community for the work I do that features prints as the subject naturally. Um, but it's not just about the tribute work for me that relates to Prince. It's how he conducted himself as an artist. Uh, that's the true inspiration for me. There are several aspects of Prince's artistry and personal brand, so to speak, that lead me to draw on him for inspiration for my own. Work ethic. Now, my folks were hard workers with great work ethic. They instilled in me, you know, from the get-go. But it, Prince's legendary work ethic went beyond comprehension. And while I wasn't able to build and sustain my creative life as a young man, I always aspired to that level of discipline, even when I didn't have it. 
Um, I have, though, always worked hard at whatever I have done, and that includes making my own way in the world as a visual artist. Now, I am grateful to have the privilege of being creative for a living, and while I'm no prince, I pretty much work all the time. I know the only way to get good at something or better at something is to work at it. Prince is the perfect example of that. From everything I've ever heard about him, he was almost cursed with an overactive mind that compelled him to work constantly. He played and played and played the piano until he mastered it as a kid, and then he moved on to the guitar and did the same thing and so on. And now I'm not trying to measure up to Prince's work ethic because I never could, but he has certainly inspired me to work harder. Prolificy or making a lot of work. Just because you make a lot of work doesn't mean it's quote unquote good. But if you add in quality with prolificy, then that describes Prince. And Prince oftentimes would create entire songs, masterpieces in one day. And that's a, another high level mark that I've transferred to my own creative life. I do make a lot of work and I'm continuously working on the LPP project, posting a new LPP image every week. And that's, you know, aside from the other work I make, my hope is that the quality is there, and I think it is. Um, okay, eclecticism. I think the moment I realized you didn't have to be one thing as an artist was when Around the World in a Day came out. It blew me away. The music, yes, but the difference from what came before, that's really what got me. After being the biggest thing on the planet and the planet expecting him to deliver them Purple Rain Part 2, he switched it up and said, nope, and then again and again and again. There have always been artists that perfect their chosen medium and work it to death. N nothing wrong with that at all. It sounds like death to me, or at least purgatory. And I have several series of bodies of work in media as diverse as the work itself. I have to give credit to Picasso as an influence on my own eclecticism as well. But I think that Prince and Picasso were equals in many, in many ways. So that works for me. It was really, though, Prince's ability to jump from genre to genre and remake himself time and again that always excited me as an artist. And I've always wanted to emulate that. Some may say I'm all over the place with my work, but I say it's better than being stuck in one. I'm optimistic about the thought that a common thread runs through the entirety of my work. And Prince is responsible. He was an idea antenna. In the past few years, I've been learning more and more about how Prince worked with close collaborators and bandmates, band members, through various writings and interviews and books and podcasts and everything I can get my hands on. And one of the greatest takeaways for me is how he was always fully open to accepting ideas and inspirations from those around him. Idea antenna. He would distill those ideas through his own unique creative filter. Um, my subject matter, like my media choice, is fluid and wide in range, and it addresses iconography and identity and referencing contemporary culture and my relationship with it. I watch and look and read, and I take in media like everyone does. And then when inspiration strikes and I feel like I have to say something, <laughs> I synthesize it into whatever it is I want to say in a visual manifestation. And I feel like that's very akin to what Prince did with his music. Um, I have a you know, favorite visual artists that speak to me and have influenced my work for sure. Um, some more obvious than others, maybe. From Warhol to Coons to Duchamp to Yves Klein to Jasper Johns to Baldessari to Mondrian to Picasso. Pick up a trick here, kernel there, a color palette here. Definitely informs my work. And I am a human being alive on planet Earth in the United States in the year 2020. And, you know, there's so much input right now that it's kind of hard to discover what it even is that I'm really feeling. Um, but I'm confident that there is some art brewing within.
And speaking of confidence, Prince personified it. There was nobody like him. He made sure of that, and he made sure you knew it. His fearlessness in his self-expression was, this is going to sound corny, but intoxicating. It was the single most inspirational aspect of Prince for me since I began following him. Even if I didn't always immediately love what I heard or saw over the decades as a Prince fam, I respected it because he was always the bravest, bravest artist that there ever was. Fully committed to his art by any means necessary and you know, fully confident that what he was presenting you was the next big thing. Most musical artists craft a song over a period of time and make demos. Prince didn't. He went into the studio with the express intent of creating the final product, you know, not to experiment or mess around. And if he's going to record something, it was going to be the thing. I don't really mess around either. I have an idea. It's usually a fully formed object or image in my head, and I go about the work of making it real. Uh, the media of choice is whatever best serves the idea, and the methods of fabrication are as wide in scope as the results. Self-taught. Okay. From what I understand, for the most part, Prince was a self-taught musician. He taught himself how to play all the instruments, sing, write, and that inspires me to no end. I've taken an art class here and there, but I'm mostly self-taught. Growing up in the 60s or 70s, you had to either take lessons, learn from a mentor, or just put in the time. And Prince put in the time and learned from people like Sonny Thompson and Peppy Willie and his father, John Nelson. You know, it was his passion that ran the machine. And without that, I don't think anything creative is possible. And, but with Prince, his musical machine ran at such a high level for such a long time that in a way it's intimidating, but it's also super inspiring. Um, you know, in the visual art world, there are no rules, but there surely are unspoken systems in place that can make being an artist without a degree feel like he's in an uphill battle. And that's been both a challenge and a source of fuel for me. Prince broke the rules and forged new ground and showed me that you don't need a degree to make art. And for that lesson, I will be forever grateful. Creation of Worlds. Prince created utopian worlds for us to inhabit with his music. And we wanted to live there for sure. And he also created micro universes with each new album that he would release. And, uh, you know, they'd have theme colors, everything purple until everything but purple to black and white to peach and black and on and on. And oh, how I miss that feeling. Right. And, uh, you know, the one what I'm getting at is the concept of the album of uh, pieces working together to tell the story of a whole. That idea I've borrowed several times in shows, mostly of sculpture built around themes or uh, statements that I feel strongly about making. And that's what I really love to do, and I wish I could do more of it. Um, my themes aren't necessarily utopian ones, though. In fact, I guess my vision is a little darker and maybe more dystopian warnings and arty snark than uh, utopian uh, but uh, the album concept is there, and again, because Prince. Uh, he said that his songs were like children. That's kind of how I feel about my work. And it's also a reach, it's, you know, an immortality in making art. Yeah. Prince will always be forever. His work is as immortal as it gets. And I can only hope that folks will continue to appreciate and enjoy what I leave behind when I'm gone. There you go. Uh, so many ways that Prince has and will continue to shape my creativity. I will be forever grateful to him for his infinite inspiration. Thank you, Prince. Thank you for watching. Be well.
Prince Forever. Troy Gua, I have enjoyed your work so much. And I have a, we have a few questions for you, Troy. And of course, uh, fam, please join in the chat if you have questions. We're going to start with Troy first. Um, I really loved your breakdown and how you, you should put that in an article, man. That was great. The breakdown of how Prince, you know, influenced you. Um, and I'm really curious about LPP. Like, where did you come up with this? And there's my see it, right? I, the first thing that comes to my mind is, how did he get the clothes and the environment, like, so perfect? Like, you, you know, you, every time I see it, I'm always in awe of, like, how does he do this like to perfection? And uh, you know, so I know I got we got to get here how Prince influenced you, but could you talk about LPP a little bit? What sure. made you go, you know what, I want to create this piece and then I have to I gotta get the clothing and the environment and the lighting. I gotta you know, get those secrets. It has been a an evolving project over it's it's been like almost nine years now. And initially it was just kind of a way of making myself happy at the end of the year. I was just making a little prince for myself, you know? It's like I had it in my mind for a few years. I, as a kid, was like fascinated by Jerry Anderson's movies like uh, Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds Are Go, and, and Captain Scarlet, and they're called Super Marionation. And they were these over oversized heads on these marionettes that you know they moved and talked and blinked and they had this really weird surreal quality to them that i just thought was i don't know i was fascinated by it so then team america comes along when i'm an adult and you know i got i was like addicted to that movie i went and saw it like six times in a row like it was i was super into it so i was like i need to make a little prince that kind of can can act as a Jerry Anderson marionette. And that's basically how it started. And, you know, he didn't have any clothes at first, and I didn't know what I was going to do about that. I didn't know how to sell. I started asking around, and people uh, that were willing to do it kind of wanted a little bit too much. Had, they wanted more money than I was willing to spend on a one-six scale Purple Rain outfit. So... My wife, Catherine, says, I've got a sewing machine. We'll, we can do it. Let's do it. So it started there. And over wow. time, I taught myself how to sew. And then I taught, you know, it, 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 I'm kind of amazed by what it has become, you know, versus what it started as. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> That's pretty impressive because I'm I'm always like it's like it's like perfection though and I think listening to you talk about how Prince has influenced you I could see where you would have gotten like the details it's so detailed I think well, that's that's the uniqueness yeah. of it it's not just like Prince like this, yeah, this right. doll, like Prince doll it's like it's very there's an understanding about the era the music the fashion the the iconicism that's there in in the scenes that you create it's important you know? and I. Don't you think what it's, say? it's important? Don't you think? Don't you think the details are really what? 100%. Yeah. I mean. And, and it shows up so powerfully. And it takes you to that moment in time. Like I remember the one with the bathtub and the when doves cry. The, you had the one with him in the bathtub and he's got the scarf around his neck. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, like <laughs> it's like so, it's, it's like perfection. So 
Um, so I help clarify. I want to just say I want to just say one thing. I think that is why it's so special to like print like the real like Prince geeks like us that are just like like it just it's so it is so meaningful because it's like oh sh he put the scarf all it's like every time I see he, he Troy usually posts them like once a week right a new one it's like the details like his eyes or the way like he has like LPP standing or the lighting or just like the little things like the scarf. It's just like, it takes me back to being a Prince, a 13 year old, 14 year old Prince geek in my bedroom, like, oh Prince. And you think that Rachel once, my friend Rachel once said, or our friend Rachel once said this, like back then you thought you were the yeah. only one who just totally loved and got Prince. Like nobody understood him like you did. And then you grow up and you're just like, oh my God, everybody, like there are people who totally get it because he put the scarf a certain way. I just That's love it. It's just, it's like so meaningful. And it just like, I have literally cried a couple of times, Troy, like, <laughs> you know, That's, like a big, a big Philly I love baby. That, Robin. And you couldn't have said it, but that's exactly what it does. That's what the project does for me. It like, it takes me back to that being a 13, 14 mm -hmm. year old kid, you know, yeah. and that feeling that he gave us. Yes, the feeling. Yes, I talked about the feeling in the last episode or the first episode. And it's like you know, he taught he he talked about these utopian places, but he was the utopian place. He was the place. Ah, that is true. And I never thought about it like that, but that is totally yeah. true. So I want to give uh, two of our fans an opportunity to talk to you, Troy. Arlene posted something really beautiful in the chat, as did uh, Mary Lynn. So Arlene, if you want to share with Troy your sentiments about his work. I think it's always great for an artist to hear the impact that they're having on people. Hey, Troy, how are you? I'm well, Arlene. Nice to hear you. I know. Yes, I know. My, well, I, my room is such a mess. I cannot possibly turn on my, my camera. Um, I, yeah, I just really love your LPPs. I mean, as you know, because I've got the calendar and so on. But um, I just find them incredibly moving. I, it's the... Um, it's that really close observation of everyday life. You know, it just locates Prince in this kind of normal world. And yet it's so exceptional at the same time. It's just so beautiful. And, and, and especially during this COVID time, the, mm. just that minutiae, the attention to detail. And I just love how, you know, he's always kind of on his own uh, as in so many ways he was, but it's, we all are now in so many ways. And so it's very powerful. Yeah, he's like the ultimate uh, social distancer. Kind of, right? At the same time, though, he's so generous in terms of just putting out for us all the time. So That means a lot. Thank you so much for saying that. That's, uh, you know, and the thing about him being alone, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one reason is that it's, it's conceptually about Prince's autonomy and his, his ability to create alone for one thing. But also, right. you know how we've always heard he was like the loneliest soul in the, mm. in the room full of people. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so that's one reason. The practical reason is, is he worked with way too many people for me to start trying to make and little, little. I thought that might be the case. Also, you've got him locked down so beautifully, all those expressions that you know there doesn't need to be anyone else because in so many ways 
he's kind of interacting with us as LPP. Exactly. And sometimes you are like, for instance, Wendy or. Right. Exactly. Andre. Um, and so there's that. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Well, thank you, Arlene. Good to hear from you. Thanks so much, Arlene. So, um, Marilyn, and then we're going to wrap up with the question piece here. We have some more questions for you, though, Troy, uh, with Naomi. So, Marilyn, you said it evokes a lot of emotion for you. Who what? I don't know if she's on. There. Is Marilyn there? Uh, she's not. saying that her her mic doesn't work, but that she agrees wholeheartedly with Arlene. Uh, she's writing in the chat. Uh, sadly, my mic doesn't work, uh, okay. but she was uh, happy to. And thanks for talking uh, about uh, the LPP and the aloneness of Prince. She's writing in the chat. Okay, so, thanks. Sorry thanks. to bust in there. I was just trying. No, to thank you, Kat. That's why you're co-host. Thanks, Kat. So Naomi, you had a question for Troy. She's muted. You're muted. Yes, you you're muted. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Well, finally, I can meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Where's LPP? <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, um, how do you come up the idea for the LPP every week? Do you plan for it in advance or you just come up, oh, today no. I'm going to make this one for the, this Saturday? I'm really planned out now. I'm about probably eight weeks out. Wow. So I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm working chronologically, right? So we're working yeah. through his life now. And I'm at the 83, 84 mark. Mm -hmm. Originally, when I first went through the loop of his, so scope of his life, like the first time, um, I was doing like three, four, or five images per year. I was capturing each year with three or four or five images. This time, I'm like really like going slow. And <laughs> And I'm just doing however many it feels right. Like I'm just gonna do. I'm trying to. Now it's telling his story. Now I'm implementing other people's input from all the sources that are available now, and I'm telling his story through through their words, but also through moments that I have wondered about, or thought about, or imagined. You know, like. Okay, so Prince is on a motorcycle, but there's a camera over here, right? This film. So what does it look like from the camera angle? And what if we put the camera? So, you know, it, it's just looking at things from a different perspective. That's really interesting to me, too. And it's fun. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading all the, all the books that everyone's putting out and listening to all the podcasts and, and you know, just soaking it in. And using it as wonderful fuel yes yes i love it <laughs> thanks thank you thank you naomi we found Thanks, out something we found out something cool troy on the last episode uh which was that uh prince made a drawing of what he imagined paisley park would be when he was like in a seventh or eighth grade oh, wow. which i had never known and i had done a lot of work on paisley so like once all the stories come out you might even have to backtrack backtrack and go back to 
little petite prince as a child and all like being in school and being on the basketball team and sitting on the floor in Andre's house and drawing out a little mini Paisley Park. Uh, because the more people tell their stories, the more uh, we learn. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I actually did go back. So what happened was I was working through his career and uh, got up to 2016 and didn't know what to do. So I decided to time loop him back to the 70s. So I actually did kind of start with the, as a, a younger prince. Um, but again, like as this goes on, who knows how long I'm going to be doing it, how long I'm going to be here. But I'm going to keep going for as long as I can. And I will probably at some point start the loop up again. Love it. I think it's definitely, definitely wanted and needed, uh, Troy. If you look in the chat, you can see the people are loving on you and and this work. So uh, one, of the, one of the more controversial questions we had for you was around Prince's sentiments around LPP. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing there was some pushback from his from him around the, did you ever get to talk to Prince about it? Or did you, did you hear from his people about it and their sentiments of what LPP was for them or? I only got a email and a letter and it was just a standard cease and desist. And it was based on the sale of merchandise. It really had nothing to do with LPP itself, himself, um, or the project or my, you know, artistry or anything like that. And, and you, and bear in mind, this is 2012. So that was an entirely separate project to me as uh, compared to what it is now. Got it. Really different. But what that was all about was the sale of merchandise that used his, you know, Liberty Prince. I, that had things that said Prince on it. And there was questionable use of the symbol. And that's basically what it was boils down to. And I never heard Prince's sentiment. I don't know either way whether he liked it or didn't like it. And again, at this point, it doesn't. It's not something I want to attach to it because it's not a it's a different project now than it was then. No, and, I, and definitely, definitely valued. Thanks for clearing that up. So please discuss your other artwork. So outside of LPP, you are, you know, you're not just this artist who makes uh, LPP. No, There's that was things going good. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask a quick question before we move past LPP? Oh, please. Sorry. <laughs> uh, first of all, I feel like an underachiever because that video was great. Thanks. Thanks for doing that <laughs> video right at the top. That was fantastic. And it's great to actually meet you because I've been a fan of, of the work. Okay, back to LPP. How many how many do you have? How many little princes do you actually have? I've do you got, manipulate the same one for different things or do you have a few of them? The very the so the first iteration of the project from like 2011 to like 2013. There was just one head and one body okay. and I did all the photos and just you know changing the angles you get a different mm -hmm. looking right figure. yeah now there's about six heads and I've got probably five bodies and they're all kind of That's circulating cool. and very cool I, I always wondered because they all look really unique and I'm like man he's making a, a new prince every single time because they do feel really individual so that's awesome oh, that's cool to hear yeah a lot of yeah that's yeah. the first question is like you know how many are there it's like it's not an art <laughs> and i wish there was that would be cool 
but that uh, would be pretty neat. And okay, thank cool. you for compliment, Mr. Shahidi. Um, you know, yeah, of course. Inspiration to me. So uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Maury. Sorry about that. No, no. worries. No worries. You know, I'm always. Oh, I have. A I have one question. Yeah, I actually. have a question too. You know, but go ahead. Um, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, please. I'm sorry. Uh, I know we're trying to know. move on, and I am the one who's always the like. Oh, we have to be tighter on time. But I. I so this just makes me wonder, so you have more than one, do you have like a mold or like, I mean, I know you don't probably don't want to give away like how you actually make it, but now I'm curious, like, so I did make a mold from the first head, from the first face. Uh -huh. So I do start there with it's, I use a uh, polymer clay. It, it's sculpy. Okay. And it's baked, you know, you bake it in the oven. So I start with that, and then it's like, okay, what's the expression going to be? What's his look? So that's where the trickery comes in. I see the first one is like so magic. It's almost magical to me too, because like when I made it and I looked at him, it's like he's alive. It's crazy to me, <laughs> wow. and it still is. And I feel like I don't know that I could really replicate that. I know I probably could, but it scares me to try. So I made a mold of that face. Wow. You know, I, Awesome. That is so awesome. Okay, now Maury, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else? No, no I'm just joking. I, I, you know, you know, Troy, I love listening to you respond. Um, you know, this, this is our third episode of the show, and I, I have the question for our other guests as well. But did you know that you're having this kind of impact? Like, or when you hear that you're having this kind of impact, like people are crying, people are connecting yeah. into. It really does. It's, it's, I don't know that I really have taken on the impact, really. I kind of, maybe I brush it off a little bit because I, it's like, it's heavy. I love it and it means so much to me and I do appreciate it. But sometimes I, 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 I make light of it and I know it's, 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 it's heavy because it's heavy for me. Yeah. And I, you know. You know, art, you know, whether art imitates life or the other, other way around of life imitating art, I think that, you know, artists don't always realize. And that's why another reason why I wanted to do this show while you're, like, well, it's bringing us together as Prince, the idea that each of you, um, all our guests, hold their own particular artistry. And we also wanted an opportunity within the paradigm to share and lift that right? Because you can get lost behind somebody as, you know, extraordinary and big as Prince. And the reality is, is that we're all extraordinary and big in our own way. Um, and giving folks an opportunity to share and showcase that. So Troy, my last question was though around your current work, your other, your other pieces of art that you do and engage in, you know, how could we see, is there anything you could put in the chat that we can keep in contact with you so we could see the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think I think Katarina was cool enough to put a link in there early on. Okay, um, awesome. But a lot of my work is, uh, I think, speaks to current social, you know, what we're all going through. And, and what I'm trying right now to do is figure out what it is, how to say what it is I want to say. So I mostly... Uh, this past year in quarantine <laughs> has been a, a lot about LPP because I know for sure that that's going to make me feel good. And that's for sure going to escape from the reality of what we're dealing with in the world. Right. Um, 
but I've got a series that's very commercial that I love that I've been working on for over 10 years that actually kind of pays the bills. Um, it's called Pop Hybrids and they're, I don't know, there's over a hundred of them now. And I sell them at a couple of galleries and it's been kind of a weird situation these past few months because galleries aren't really open. Right. So um, I'm super thankful to my Patreon members, uh, my Club LPP folks, because they're there with me every month and it's uh, keeps me keeps me going. Thank you for that. So Kat did put in www.troygua.com. So thank you, Troy. And of course, you're welcome, Troy, to join into the conversation as we as we move forward. But it was wonderful hearing from you. Awesome meeting you. Likewise. Uh, thank you thank for you, sharing sir. your work with us. It's been, it's, it's been extraordinary. I've enjoyed it tremendously. So thank you, Troy. Just so you know, we created this show in part so that we can meet all of our favorite people. <laughs> ah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm honored to be one of your favorite people. Yeah, you exactly. Asked me and you told well, me. What about Troy Gua? Yes, absolutely. Like, really? <laughs> no, when you said, oh my God, yes, I was like, she was <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Like all, all of the guests, when they, like, when they say yes, I literally do a happy dance. When you guys say yes, I do a happy dance around my <laughs> entire house. Like I just, anyway. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Troy. Thank you so much. All right. So we are going to, uh, and Troy, again, please stay with us. You know, you're welcome to join in the conversation. But we are going to be moving on to Alan, Afshin, and Sam. So, uh, Robin, uh, we're going to do it. So, gentlemen, we're going to be doing this as an uh, interview roundtable. So, please join on in. Uh, and of course, fam, please love on Troy, thanking him for his time. Anything you want him to know, Troy, check out that chat. I think it's always good to know how much people are adoring you and loving you. We can't be lifted enough as human beings. So, thanks again. So, uh, Robin, you wanna you wanna start us off? I know you introduced their bios, but um, Robin and I are gonna go back and forth with this. And of course, fam, you're welcome to uh, put your questions into the chat. Um, and gentlemen, you can join in uh, within the questions as we move forward. You're on mute, Robin. Saying a lot of so saying a lot of good, good, but you're on mute. Uh, I was saying I do not have the agenda pulled up right now. Oh, I do. <laughs> so you will distract us and I will finish. No us. worries. No worries. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. This is why we are have been friends for 20 plus plus years because we totally like just have each other's backs. All back the time, so sis, All the time. All right. So gentlemen, please tell us about yourself and your career before and since working with Prince. Remember, a part of our show is to get to know who you are as an artist. It's not only about uh, Prince, because um, we're clear that what Prince saw, he, he saw something that he wanted uh, in his world. So Alan, Sam, Afshin, whoever would like to start first, tell us about yourself, who you are as an artist, and what your work was like before you met Prince and, and uh, after Prince. Sam, you're lighting up. Are you going to be first? Sure. So um, before I started working with Prince, this was like in the, uh, the late 90s. This was first when the internet was like becoming a real thing. And, you know, obviously that really sparked Prince's interest. So I was doing, I'd started learning internet stuff in college. And when I got out, I jumped right into the first internet bubble 
And so that really uh, kind of set me up to start doing websites commercially and then eventually doing websites with him. And also using the internet to connect with fans, specifically starting in Chicago, which is where I'm from. But then, um, you know, using that kind of connection to the fan community to build and eventually work into the MPG Music Club. Um, and I would say that after Prince, um, I kept in music for a little bit. I went to go to Seattle where I met Troy and uh, let's go work with uh, Pearl Jam for a few years and uh, help them with their web projects and uh, kind of get them up to speed on what the internet was about. And then took some time at Microsoft and Ebony and just bouncing around all over. Now I'm in LA and uh, still doing a lot of graphic design and web work and it was really interesting to get back involved with Prince through the One Night Alone collection with uh, Sony Legacy um, because that was a project that I worked on in 2002 and then now to be working on it, yes, exactly, 17 years later <clears throat> was certainly uh, an interesting and- 17 years, wow. Yeah, it was an interesting experience and I, I realized it was the first time that I'd worked on a Prince album without Prince mm. um, and that was, feeling his loss in a very different way than I had before. And so that was interesting. But yeah, that's what I've been up to lately. So I, I didn't realize seven, it's been 17 years since One Night Alone. Wow. Like time really does go. Yeah, it was 2002. So what, I started working what on it in the, 2019. Yeah, what were the distinctions around, you know, thinking about the first time it was released? Because um, you were a part of the, of the live at Atlant of the Aladdin piece as well with that. And, yeah. and now uh -huh. with One Line Alone, re-releasing. What, what were the distinctions, like having him present versus not having him present? Did you find yourself saying, you know, this is what he would want? Yeah, I think that was, uh, you know, that was the challenge was to find that balance between honoring what we did back in 2002 and then kind of giving it sort of a fresh coat of paint for 2020. You know, like kind of what Troy was saying is I, I don't think Prince is the kind of artist that would want to stand still. So I don't think he'd want an exact duplicate of what we did 17 years ago. I think he'd want to, you know, kind of freshen it up. Hopefully my skills have gotten better in 17 years and I can do, a, you know, what I would consider a better job of putting it all together. Um, but I think also, you know, Prince was someone who creatively was very opinionated. And so as someone who worked with him as a visual artist, you know, having that voice there was a big part of everything that we did. So, you know, sometimes he'd look at something and say, I hate it, do it over. Or he'd say, I love it, like send it out and have very specific opinions about fonts and colors. And so not having that there was certainly, you know, it, it was different. It felt like, well, I'm going to do my best to try and figure out what he would like. But, you know, at the same time, I've got to make the call and do what I think is best now in 2020 to put together something good for the, for, for the audience. Oh, it's beautiful. I have that. That, that was my vinyl you saw. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful and very well done. Thank you Thank for you. that. Who gave you that vinyl? Robin. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robin, make sure I have all my vinyl. Thank you, well, dear. I, I, I used to work in Sony, so. <laughs> Got the hookup. All right. But it's beautifully up. done. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. And Alan Ashton's photography. Yes. Thank, thank you, Sam. Yeah. So I think that 
I would love to know also about your working relationship because obviously you guys worked very closely together for a number of years. And this is just a question for both of you off the top of my head. Did you guys ever like disagree? And then like Prince was like, what's wrong with you? Or did you ever like, you both thought this is it. And then you give it to Prince and he's like, this, I know. <laughs> like, what was that relationship like between the three of you? Well, I, I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Sam made me look good a lot of times because <laughs> I was shooting on the fly. Um, really no setups, no lighting. Often things were a little bit out of focus. And so I relied on Sam heavily to make me look good, which which he did most of the time. And I appreciate that. Sam, if I haven't thanked you before, thank you now officially. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think early on, since Sam had uh, was was part of the music club and the images that I was taking initially were servicing the music club, I would shoot quickly, turn it around and send it to Sam. So we didn't collaborate so much on the on the ideas I would send whatever whatever you know Prince and I had kind of edited and, and he had approved to Sam and then they would go up on the uh, on the music club and then slowly I started seeing some of my work turn into like poster art and different things and I wasn't even aware that Sam was doing it but he was picking out images either by himself or him and Prince were picking things out that all of a sudden you know I'm walking around uh, Milan, uh, you know, backstage or, or, you know, in the arena before the show starts. And I see a poster with one of my images that I didn't even know it was going to be there. So, um, a lot of the, the magic was with Sam. I think the one time that, or one of the times that we really kind of got to collaborate and actually were in the same space creating was after musicology and, and Prince was going to do almost like a world tour version of musicology with Sam and I were really kind of excited about. And, so we were at Paisley Park shooting the um, the tour book with with Prince, and the idea, since uh, it was going to be a world tour, was uh, picking out the cities that he was going to be in and finding, you know, online. Sam was pulling imagery from you know really kind of iconic places in each city, uh, and then we were shoot. I was shooting Prince on a green screen, and we were going to composite that, and so that was a really fun process to actually get to, you know, spend time with Sam and, and work on something collectively together because most of the time he was taking images uh, that I had like the 3121 uh, album cover and, and really kind of transforming it making it into into something well I think though that you still you both have the eye though or else it wouldn't have worked like even though you say that like oh the lighting or whatever but obviously there is something there else he wouldn't have as a designer, I'm just thinking my designer brain, right. like there has to be something there in the image to, in order to bring it together to be something. Uh, yeah, I, I had my own personal kind of aesthetic yeah. that I think that, that Prince appreciated and, and liked. And um, a lot of that started just kind of going back maybe to, to the very first question. Before I started with Prince, uh, I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, and in that respect, my, one of my first jobs in the business was at Paisley Park as a technician because all I wanted to do was just get on set however I could. Uh, and so I was, um, and I was interested in camera and photography. Uh, and so I got on as a, a film loader and eventually worked my way up to um, what's called the focus puller of first AC, uh, which also um, really put me face to face with Prince because we would get dailies back like the day after or two days after and things, if things were out of focus, he'd come looking at me like, why is this out of focus? And what you got to understand with Prince, 
he's he's dancing and moving around and the camera's on a crane that's moving around. And so to try to figure out exactly how far those things are from each other and not having the benefit of, of HD video, which we have now, I'm really just guessing a lot of the time. Like, ah, I think they're about 17 feet apart <laughs> and setting the focus on the lens. So anyway, I, I worked my way up with Prince from, from being a technician to, um, to actually being a cinematographer and a, and a creative collaborator with them. And then through that process, he liked the motion that I was capturing and asked me if I did still photography too, which I dabbled in and I enjoyed, but I never had um, uh, built myself out as a, as a photographer. But when Prince asks you if, if you're a photographer, you say yes, and then you figure it out. Um, so that's, that's how I got into it. Uh, since, since working with Prince, quite honestly, I, I still do a lot of photography uh, for myself. Um, fine art photography, but I haven't really been interested in, in photographing any musicians. I haven't gone after, you know, after working with Prince, it's really, it's really, he's set the bar so high that there's really no one else that I'm like, you know, dying to photograph in that same way. Um, but I've continued to be a, a filmmaker and um, have worked on movies and music videos and commercials and, and just most recently directed a, a documentary that's, um, that's about to premiere at the Hamptons uh, International Film Festival. So, what is it? What's it called? Uh, it, it's called Withdrawn Arms. Uh, it's a documentary about Tommy Smith, who was the 1968 Olympic gold medalist uh, at the Mexico City Games, uh, and it's and it's pretty pertinent right now because it was him protesting um, what was happening back in America at that point, uh, and so much of what he was protesting then is still happening today. But the, the story is about that, but also kind of his reemergence and, and, and his legacy and, and what he's doing now because he lives in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and along with my partner on the film, they've been creating really beautiful art. Um, yeah. Thank you, Afshin. Um, yes. So, Alan, can you talk to us a little bit about yourself? and uh, your career before and since Prince? Um, yes, I'll try. Um, how, how Prince met me is because I was a fashion photographer. Um, I always did fashion and um, um, he actually saw a poster I did um, when he was living at Andre Simone's house. Um, he was kicked out of his house at that point. Um, he was living with Andre Simone. And uh, I did a poster for um, Andre Simone's mother. And uh, it was a black and white poster for uh, Shades of Blackness. And I have it in my book. It's, it, I don't have it here. Um, but it's a probably a 20-inch by 40-inch black and white photograph of two black wonderful models um, and it's actually shades of blackness. Um, I shot two black people wearing black clothes and, uh, and on a black background. So that's how we got started. He saw that and he called me instantly and then we did our first photo shoot and our first photo shoots were uh, very um, experimental, I must say. Um, 
he was searching for a look back then that uh, he just didn't have then. And uh, so he would try a few things uh, before we got serious about album covers, before we got serious about, um, I guess, anything. Um, I guess one of the most famous ones out of that is the uh, where he's wearing uh, uh, which one are you showing? Yeah, that's the one he's that showing the, this is the 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 black couple that he had seen, right? Right. And he hired me off of that uh, pretty much immediately, and uh, it's kind of funny how we that phone call actually was because he uh, when he talked to me, he he kept insisting he was a. Uh, he was a Warner Brothers artist, and and I already knew who he was because my actually my brother and I had gone out maybe a week before and heard Soft and Wet, and uh, and so I knew who he was, and then he convinced me who he was, but I already knew who he was. Let's put it that way, and but his uh, but my photographs were very experimental. And uh, we went a long way together. I mean, um, from Dirty Mind to, to uh, Contours, to 1999 was a big leap as far as what his image was. By 1999, we had it down, and uh, he was ready to go from that point on. But, uh, you know, I wish I had a slideshow like Troy did. Troy, that was wonderful. Um, to show all the things that we went through together uh but we became friends uh and the way we worked was very different than i think sam did and and everybody else did in that we were really close and we were actually really friends i mean i went on three tours with him and uh and very opinionated he was uh I'll second that emotion, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, he was like working with somebody different. Um, um, he definitely had an opinion on what he wanted to look. Though, and even every photo that we took didn't make an album cover. Later it kind of did, and posthumously, I guess I've done two albums since then. And, uh, but they're not the ones I would have picked out. That's fair. They're the ones uh, Paisley Park picked out. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, I was, I guess I was a photographer from the get-go. So, Alan, you actually kind of lead us into the next question. So, I can never remember the name of the story, but I remember hearing an Italian folktale once where basically... The moral of the folktale was that for every person who meets you, there is a story about how they perceive you. So for every hundred people that I know, there's a hundred different stories of who Dr. Mori is. So right. you have this, this, this beginning with Alan capturing Prince um, and, and really intentionally, right? Like the Dirty Mind album cover. I personally, you know, Alan, on, on my end, I said to you earlier um, when we were doing the test run on the tech that you are the photographer who inspired me around 
being so excited to open up an album. I rem- I don't know for anybody on the call how long you've been in this music, loving music game. But I remember being a little girl, like eight years old and 10 years old, probably should not have been opening up controversy and seeing the right. picture with him in the shower and his drawers, which I put on my <laughs> ceiling and my mother was like, take that down. Yeah. You know, you, you were, it was so exciting. I remember opening up records and the pictures and the liner notes and who is he thanking and what the lyrics really are. And like, for me, you're the photographer who I think about when I think about the excitement of that, you know, like my children, they download music. It's not the same, not the same of, you know, like getting, going to the record store and choosing the record because the image is so powerful. Right. So, what is like when you think about it, in the, in the vein of the Italian folktale, right? What is your story of Prince and of course Sam and Afshin? You meet him down the road, and he's a much more established artist. Um, and I'd love to hear what the parallels are because you know people are who they are, but then you know there's also these distinctions, you know, of uh, the emerging you know, artists versus like, the established. Like I said, opinionated, like Sam said he was and um, and when he likes something he definitely let you know about it and uh, and so like staying with the, the same photographer for as long as he did I mean I did Dirty Mind and Controversy in 1999 um, to stay with one photographer for three albums I think is unbelievable I don't know how long he stayed with you Elephant or how long Sam you worked with them on your web, but um, we spent a lot of time together, so uh, it was fun. We had a lot of good times. Yeah, the inner, the inner, the insert that Robin showed with his sheet, the sheets strategically placed in yeah. the 1999 looks like a lot of fun. Yes, they are. <laughs> but you can tell it was fun for me. <laughs> It was fun for me, like wow. Okay. Me to see him that way, you know that that he was that um, comfortable with me to to you know actually be naked. I guess he was on one on one cover. I don't know who took that photograph, but uh, um, but he was that comfortable with me, and um, he was naked. And I did see him naked, and um, it's, it's cool. It's very cool, Alan. You're very modest about that, you know. There's a lot of people on this chat right now that are like, damn, you saw him naked. Yeah. That's Afshin. Isn't that book amazing, Afshin? It's a beautiful book, and I think more to your point, it Alan's, is amazing. Alan's images are the are the pictures that introduced me to Prince as well. So I, I just had this, but you know, controversy was was the album that that got me into Prince, and then I went back to Dirty Mind in 1999. But so when I think about Prince. I think back to when he first came on my radar. Um, and so it's all the images that, that Alan had created with him. And so, yeah, this is a really beautiful book. Well, well done, Alan. But um, it, it takes me back to the essence of the prince that, you know, got me excited about his music and his persona and everything. And, you know, I had the advantage of, of growing up in Minnesota. So Prince was, the, was a legend. So it, it took a while for me to actually get to meet him. And by the time I met him, he was the rock star with, you know, with slave written across his face and, and 
Um, well, the problem with, just, with us was that um, he changed his phone number so much. <laughs> you know, people would get his phone number and call him like every day. And I would have like 50 numbers for him. And even the last one doesn't work. I still have it today. It doesn't have an error code. That's how old it is. You know, there's no area code. You <laughs> know, so, he was in Chanass and I was in more central Minneapolis. Uh, uh, there was no error code back then. And, uh, but he would change his numbers so much that it was kind of funny for the controversy album. Um, my brother is the one who came up with the controversy daily. I mean, if you could show that again, Alvin, uh, that'd be great. Um, my brother came up with the newspapers because I, he goes, my brother says, well, you need to have some kind of, you know, song titles or, or something um, to, uh, to put behind there. Yes, and uh, so we came up with the controversy daily. And I said, just give me headlines. And he gave me like 30. And you know how he is, Elfin and Sam, you probably know this. And uh, he gave me 30 of them. And out of 30 of them, four got on the album cover. And the rest pretty much got on the back cover. And actually, you can see where we kind of got when uh, we were first going to do the album cover. I was going to do all 18 titles and that never worked and uh, we ended up doing four so I'll take any questions from anybody being the goat here <laughs> um, yeah actually you did get some really good questions let me just go through the chat um, we also want to make sure see. we get to Sam and hear Sam's sentiment about Prince, the, his version of Prince's story. His uh, version of Prince's story. I think. Oh, I think I got you. to see um, a different side of him a little bit because when I I worked for him for a total of nine years, but I sort of got to know him better around the musicology time, around um, when he was uh, really into the Jehovah's Witness thing, and so I had a um, I had a wife and I have a daughter and I think he really appreciated like my family and that I was had a family and that <clears throat> he really liked having them around. He liked having my daughter around. Uh, he got along really great with his children. I think Efshin had the same experience. And um, that was a side of him that, yeah, I think probably was very different than how he'd been before. And, and, and part of it was the Jehovah's Witness influence, I think and kind of longing for that sort of stability in uh, some kind of structure and family. But I know I, he really liked having them around and I felt really fortunate that I got to bring him with me on a lot of my trips to go spend time with him and uh, they got to share in the experience. So that was, that was something a little different. Yeah, that was different. Uh, between <laughs> myself and Prince, it was, it was just me and him. Um, it was always just me and him uh, on tour and doing the album covers one by one and um but we got kind of close too so yeah he was very different with you but that's good to hear though yeah it's probably about uh 20 20 years later i would guess yeah yeah i mean he definitely evolved as an artist and had different values 
Yeah, uh, no, we started in 79 to right up to Purple Rain. I mean, I, he was shooting Purple Rain right down from my studio. And um, I was wondering why I wasn't shooting that. But I think uh, I think his management at that time had an opinion about me. And uh, I think I had done too much. I think it was the, uh, the problem with that. The sentiment from Warners, you think? I was enough. I had done enough, or even though we talked about doing the Purple Rain album cover, he photographed it just the way we talked about it, where we, you know, we would have these meetings, we would talk about shooting, and uh, I told him the way you shoot it, and he shot it exactly the way I, I, uh, Shut it up. So it's almost like the only thing I didn't do is press the button. And I don't even know who shot that. To tell you the truth, I'm sorry. Even yeah, I was gonna ask who, who like Robin. I meant to ask you that. Like, like who shot Purple Rain? Who shot the album cover? Was it Albert Magnoli? Was it like from that? Was like I don't know. That's a good question. Like who shot Purple Rain? I never thought Wasn't of that. It, uh, actually. Alan Whitman. No, Alan uh, Whitman did it. Uh, not, not, not Alan. Something Whitman, yeah. Uh, Robert John Whitman. Whitman? Robert Whitman. <laughs> I think. I think Robert Whitman. Mr. Whitman. See, I was right. Nerd alert. <laughs> Nerd <laughs> alert. Yeah, I was like, I was, I, you know, Alan. We talked about that. It's like, who shot Purple Rain? Because it's, it's, it doesn't say. It really doesn't. It's, it, it's funny. Like, it's, it's the album, right? It's the one that took him over, from you know. I, mean, I would like, have shot that one myself. I think I would have been more famous, but <laughs> I was almost famous. Now you're very famous, actually, Alan. You're extremely famous. You're extremely famous. Like you're I think again, us. you're another example of the artists who don't always recognize the impact that they have. Right. Um, like you, you are extremely famous in the uh, in, in our community here uh, among Prince fans. Well, um, you are. Like I, I know for me, you're very famous. I know exactly who I knew who you were. And as a matter of fact, what kind of inspired this, uh, this, uh, this, um, uh, this particular episode is being at Paisley and seeing you speak. Um, we didn't get to bring Steve Park on, but we're gonna definitely gonna invite Steve Park on for another um, episode. Oh, Jeff Katz. I love Steve. Steve's a great Steve guy. and Jeff Katz are another another two other artists who were very monumental in capturing uh, who we know Prince to be. Um, we're definitely gonna invite them on for a future episode, but each each of you have your own piece um, in shaping Prince. So Sam, I wanna start with you with this particular question around, in terms of contribution, what was the Jennings effect? What was the Shahidi effect? Was the, what was the Bolio effect in contributing to Prince in terms of his marketing and his brand? Uh, Sam, I think you definitely brought Prince into the 21st century as he's known as the artist who, like, basically, you know, walked away from the record company. I'm going to produce, I'm going to, I'm going to release my own records. I'm going to sell them as a part of a concert ticket price. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the charts that way um, the, using the web. I mean, that, that's all around the time with you, Sam. So if you can please enlighten us to, like, where do you see yourself in shaping Prince's image at the time that you work with him? And that's a question for each of you. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, 
like I said, I was starting in the 90s doing web stuff, but then, you know, it was a very interesting time in the music industry as well because of, you know, Napster and the, the, the real fear that people had about file sharing. And there was a real fear in the music industry that the internet was just going to destroy everything and artists were going to be, well, not really artists, but record labels were going to be completely broke. And it was the worst thing ever. So, you know, I think Prince had the exact opposite feeling of like, you know, this is a way for me to connect directly with my audience and skip the record industry entirely. And, you know, I kind of felt he was really looking for someone to help him do that. And because of my working in the industry, and I think because of our working relationship, it just allowed him to, you know, just try out a lot of ideas and have somebody who then could go out and make that happen. And so that was a lot of, you know, just going back and forth about how we saw things shaping up. You know, I was kind of bringing a fan perspective. He would bring his perspective, you know, what, what, what is going to serve the audience and also serve his needs <clears throat> and make sure that they're both being met. Um, <clears throat> you know, I really felt like it was, it was really important for him to kind of get that message out there that like, you know, he wants that connection with, with his audience directly more than anything else. And, you know, I think now Troy had mentioned, you know, Patreon. I think the MPG Music Club was the Patreon of its time. And that's how he really viewed it. Like, when you're, get, when you're paying $9.99, you're not paying to some CEO of a record label. You're paying me. Like, I'm getting that money. <clears throat> and that allows me to do what I do, which you enjoy. And then we have this symbiotic relationship. I think that's that was really the goal with what he was doing. And so I felt like, yeah, like my effect was definitely, you know, he found a partner in me that could help him do that and someone who was willing to work with him and listen to him and share ideas and say, this is going to work. This is not going to work. This, this, I think we worked with, this is the right thing to do here. Um, and it wound up working out for a long time. Uh, music club lasted for five years and I'm pretty proud of that. Five years is an eternity in Prince world. <laughs> it's a long time. It is a long time. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. No, that is a long time with Prince. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, I did three albums, um, um, which I thought was an eternity. And uh, if you were with them for five years, that's an eternity. Just, um, I just want to say this one thing. Yeah. So I'll let you go on from there. So lucky. Uh, I, to, to answer your question, Maury, to, um, Similar to Sam, I think he, he found someone uh, in me and the other photographers he worked with, but in my experience was that I was someone that could facilitate um, what he needed at the time in terms of that interaction with it, that direct interaction with his fans. And so uh, again, using the music club as, as that um, bridge between him and the fans. And so I was somebody that could travel now, Nowadays, artists all have photographers and videographers and everything just following them around. But Prince was unique because nobody else really was doing it to that level at that time where no one else was allowed to also be in their photographing. So he had full control of, of the image. And so whether we were on tour um, and typically on a, on a tour, they allow the press and everyone else to come in and photograph the first three songs. Uh, and then the presser ushered out. Well, Prince wasn't allowing anyone in with cameras. I was the only one in there with the camera. And in that way, we were able to go through and he could um, he could control fully the image and put what he wanted people to see. 
so I think that was really important to him, and that was kind of the the part of the takeover in terms of um, having full autonomy of music, image, brand. Um, and similar to Alan, I was able to to work by myself. I didn't have a big crew. I didn't have any crew really. It was just me, my camera. Occasionally at Paisley Park, uh, my wife would come out with me, uh, and we would do a little, you know, a small setup, lighting setup or whatever. But for the most part, I was by myself. Whether we were on tour or or just um, doing a photo shoot, he didn't want to have a lot of other people around, and so he felt comfortable and safe. And so we were able to experiment. And I think that's what. Uh, that's what I was able to to provide uh, for him. He had a lot of input in in the image once I kind of created the the setting, and then it, it would inspire him, and he'd be like, "Oh, okay." So if I had a certain color backdrop or or items, it, it would spark something in him because I never really I never told him what to wear. That was that was not <laughs> that was not my uh, my place, or or really even within my realm of understanding but whenever Prince saw whatever I had set up it would inspire something and he would run off and come back 10 15 20 minutes later like you know dressed as Prince perfectly for whatever that scenario was I love it so actually you know, I, I just I have my book here your book is also one of my favorites I don't know if you can see thank you can I get it in it's a picture with Prince in the box <laughs> can you see it yeah Okay, so I, I love this picture because I remember being, this is like, I think, I believe this is musicology. Yes, it is musicology. It and is. I remember being in the audience and my cousin Rachel and I were, I'm like, he's in that box. I know he's in that box. And you really, mm -hmm. like, I love the, your, your book is perfectly titled A Private View, right? It is, you bring us into this world that, like, he creates this world for us, but there's so much intentionality in how it all goes down. So I, either it was in Jersey or I don't know if it was MSG because I think MSG you can actually come through the flooring, but I think in, it was one of the shows. I remember the box almost, passing passing by us, and I was like, "He's in that box. I know he's in that box." Almost every show he went through the box because because it was in the round. Um, right. and those stadiums were either basketball or hockey arenas. There was no real way to go from underground up into the main floor and then come up. So he was always boxed. And, and pushed out, you know, a lot of times people just didn't, had no idea. They thought maybe it's, it's his wardrobe or costumes being taken, but he was always in, in that box um, going in. I, I tried to get in that box once and see if I could go with him, but uh, it wasn't enough room. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a very small box, but like, I think that was a very like, small box. Uh, but that's like, like Prince was so intentional about how he created the scene or the environment right mm -hmm. like the mis the mystery mm -hmm. was always there like that's why alan it's appropriate that you're in the dark because we're like it is <laughs> it is the it's it's how prince did you know and brought us into his world i'm sorry i love that picture because i'm like i always knew he was in that box and i was like when i saw your yep. book i was like you see he was in the box you know because it, it just it's, it's the creation of like this moment like, i don't want to spoil it for you i'm not going to walk out in front of everyone i'm going to show up right. magically and here i am um so thank you for that can I just of say course. one thing? Yeah, yeah uh, please. I also have Afshin's book. It's one of my favorites. And I just want to let you know, this is kind of an aside from what we're talking about. On page 141, when I got to that page, I think I cried for about three hours. It's the page that says the fans were everything for him and he was everything for them. I just like bawled like a baby. And I will tell you why, because it's like, 
you know, obviously Prince fans are very passionate about Prince. We all think that, yes, we all think that we get something that a lot of the world doesn't get. Mm -hmm. And like, just to know that he kind of got what he meant to us, just getting that, that, that confirmation was just, mm -hmm. I, it, it was, it was kind of like a release. It was like kind of a relief, like, okay, he understood. Like he didn't think that we're all just these crazy people just like spending hundreds of dollars to see him. And like, like he got that we had a connection. Absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. like, yeah, I just cried. Exactly. Thank you for uh, putting that I, in. <laughs> I feel like the, um, the music club, really personified that in a lot of ways because i know in talking to him about it i mean that's really how he viewed the people who were part of the club is that you know they were willing to go the extra mile so obviously they were the people who were the most dedicated and i think you really saw the music tour when we had the music club members you know right in the front and uh the one night alone tour when he was doing the sound checks you know i think he really understood that these were the people who um, supported him the most and that you know, really got it on on some other level they weren't just there to hear kiss and all that stuff yes <clears throat> yes exactly okay so moving on i just wanted to say that before i forget thank you so alan same question around um you know where do you see yourself informing his image well so, I mean, alan had the underwear years yeah I, <laughs> you know we had the image building years yeah you sure did and uh, we started out with a bare trench coat with a bikini and leg warmers. And I think the final image I did of 1999 was with him and his band. We actually did have the purple coat with the white ruffles that he, I think he stayed with. Um, so after that, I guess uh, my job was done. Uh, he had his look that he liked, and uh, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy that everybody kind of saw him like that, because that's why he wanted people to see him, I guess. I guess I didn't articulate that too much, but that's what I want to say. Thank you, Alan. So, Alan, you want to go to the chat, Robin, a little bit because there's some questions coming up for our guests. Sure. sure so, Alan, one of the questions, and this is from Marilyn, is around, you told a story about the person who introduced Vanity to Prince, debunking the myth about them meeting at an award show. Can you confirm it here again? Yes, I can confirm it. That uh, Vanity was kind of a groupie. Um, she kind Robin, of, we had a chance. I'm just joking. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> that way. I had backstage passes, and uh, and Denise happened to be one of them. And Denise actually hung on to me, and uh, so she always got backstage. And after Smart girl. backstage, she got back on the bus and stayed on the bus. So that's how it happened. They didn't meet at an award show. They didn't meet at the AMAs or she wasn't on Rick James' stage. That's not true? No, no, not that I know of anyway. Um, for her to be at the AMAs. You heard on the paradigm. I know, but I'm saying for her to be at the AMAs would be like me being at the AMAs. Um, it would be very <laughs> unusual. Um, 
I, the story I, I, always was is that she was on, she was like a part, like Rick James had performed at the AMAs and that she was a part of Rick James's set, which we will be dedicating a show to Rick James and Friends. Oh, okay. It's coming up shortly. It's coming up because I, I love me some Rick James and we got to talk about this 1981 Dirty Mind tour. But that's for another episode. So the, the story is, is that she was on stage. And I met Rick James and uh, uh, Prince and him didn't actually get along that well. That's why it's going to make a great show. Too bad, but uh, I only did one show with them. So, but yeah, he didn't meet Vanity through Rick James or anything like that. She met uh, Prince through me, pretty much. Wow. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Alan, for clarifying that. That sure, I'm yeah. sure brains brains are going really okay. Uh, yeah. uh, thanks for that. I, mean, I had a big fight on Facebook with some girl about AMAs and and where <laughs> they met, and it was just so weird because I know the story. So I yeah, you it. were there. Like you know, some Prince fans think that you know because they read it in like a magazine forty read years it in Blackbeat in nineteen eighty two. Yeah, but it's like you were actually there, so I'm gonna trust the person who saw it in in real time. <laughs> I, think, I think you and, and Vandy's a beautiful woman. Who who I would remember the day I, mo I met Vanity and introduced her to yeah. somebody. Come on now, <laughs> come on, really. Oh, yeah. um, and know. Alan, like actually speaking of Vanity, Alan, your pic the pictures, yes. the pictures of Vanity and Prince yes. in your book. I'm flipping to them now. Just so amazing. like, what's what's your memory of of Vanity and Prince? Like like who uh, were they together as a couple? Love, I mean. Aww. I mean, they they loved each other so much. It was ridiculous. But he gave her a hard time in the studio, Alan. Um, well, you know, I think they both gave each other a hard time. Um, when it came to Purple Rain, she was supposed to be Apollonia. And, but she was supposed to do it for free. And she wouldn't do it for free. So we had a kind of a talk about that. And... Uh, I mean, we knew about Purple Rain since controversy, so um, I'm not going to say anything bad. He was all good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm a big, big, big Denise Matthews fan. Um, I think that she, she was, she was ahead of her time in terms of women and the embodiment of of, of our sexuality. Um, and I, I appreciate her tremendously, and she doesn't always you know, get the credit that she deserves. And you you also work not only with, um, like, with Prince, but you also did the work with Vanity Six. Yes. You also did the work with The Time. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that, Alan? And, like, oh, enlighten us, like, what was, that, what was that project like coming together? Because you were there when Prince was in the studio getting Vanity Six together and bringing that vision to life. Right. Um, he really was on the name The Hookers. For a long time, let me tell you that. Uh, he wasn't going to let that one go. Um, that's all I remember about Vanity Six at uh, <laughs> the time. Um, Morris was a really good friend of mine. Um, so I knew about Morris um, when he came in and did the, the first album cover in black and white. Uh, and I showed him where we were going to shoot. Um, he really liked it. And I got everybody there. And 
that's the first time I met everybody actually. So it was just one of Prince's side projects. And, you know, but he write music a lot and he was very into music. Um, I think the music that he did, uh, that he created was so important to him that he had so much of it that he gave it to other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about philanthropy, that's, that is. That's true love. That's like giving away one of your children. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think Troy speaks about that in his in his influence video, right? The prolificness yeah. of of Prince, and yeah, the, the you know, I'm sure the women have a, have many stories, but him giving and Jill Jones talks about. We had Jill Jones on our first episode, and she talks a lot about you know him giving her the music. It is the ultimate act of love, and I agree. For him, it would have been like giving away one of his children, because like, and like that's the music that I look back on now, and I'm like, that's the music that raised me. Yeah. You know, so it, it's 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 so integral to to the evolution of the person if you're if you're following the artist, and furthermore, the artist who's creating it. No, it was definitely great. Uh, um, first doing Vanity, and then the time. Um, it was great, and Prince was there, and um, he was kind of an, a little bit of an art director to me, not that much, but just a little. But uh, everything worked out just fine. Thanks, Alan. So, D'Angela, I'm going to invite you to come on and ask your question. Hi, D'Angela. She there? Yes, I'm here, but I'm in the dark. <laughs> That's okay. We can hear your beautiful voice. How are you, sweetheart? I'm great. So um, I'd like to say thank you guys for doing this. This is, an, this is awesome. And I'd like to thank all the guests for so much amazing art. Um, and... That's really all I can say. But the question is, Ashton uh, actually um, answered on his end, which is like, where could we buy any prints from either Ashton or Alan? Um, and Ashton put in the chat, thank you for that, where you can purchase some prints. So I would love to be able to purchase some Alan Bolio prints. Is that ever going to be a possibility? Or is there complications with the estate since so much of um, your photography is at attached to estate project. Oh, none of my photography was, but uh, I know later on down the line, he learned from me, actually. Um, yes, yeah, so I think in the year 2020, um, I was going to have a website, then the disease came along, and COVID-19 came along and stopped me from setting up a website, but I'm going to have a website that's going to have the photos in the book, and they will be available. Awesome. That is music to my ears. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. So uh, just keep tuned in. Thanks so much, D'Angela. So D'Angela is another Princeologist. Uh, D'Angela, please put your next event in our chat. Um, D'Angelo puts together the most amazing events around Prince and keeping that legacy alive. And we're so glad to have you here, D'Angela. Um, so I, I know you have an event coming up next month, so please put it in the chat and share it with our community. Um, Matt Emery, you want to come on and ask your question about lighting? Oh, hey, Alan, how you doing? Hey, how are you? I had a couple questions for Alan. The first one I asked was uh, earlier on, 
I wanted to see who was your uh, favorite person to hang out with on tour next to Prince, of course, because you're on different tours. So was there a band member in Prince's band or in the time that you like to hang out with the most? And then uh, the, the other question I had was, uh, and you kind of answered that because said, you said that he was kind of a, a, a little bit of an art director. Did Prince ever want to try to tweak your lighting when you're no. in your studio? So two questions for you. Yeah, never tweak my lighting. Um, I was pretty much a studio cat. I mean, I know it's a, and FM can can actually get into this too. Is is shooting him live, a live person, and shooting a studio person is quite different. And so, um, when I did album covers, it was very easy for me because that's the world I was from. And then it took me probably two or three concerts to get together on shooting him, like running around and jumping up and down and and dancing. But uh, that's a different question. Uh, what was your first question? Oh, did I hang out with anybody? Yeah, who'd you hang out with? And and which of his, uh, you know, band members or maybe a member of the time, did you like to shoot the most? Probably Morris was uh, B number two. Um, we hung out a lot and uh, have a lot of time together. And uh, definitely our friends. And to this day, we're still friends. I hope we are. I mean, I gave him a photo, so <laughs> that's how we are still friends. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Matt, for joining in. Troy, you have a question for Alan. You want to ask it? You're on mute, Troy. Are you, are you talking about the neon question? Yes. So the neon artwork that you used for the 1999 album, did was that custom made? Do you have that stuff? What happened to it? Yeah, I don't have it anymore, unfortunately, Troy. Um, I wish I still did. Um, Was that specifically for the album shoot? Yes. He he told me to go see Blade Runner. And uh, Blade Runner wasn't out in the theaters. And it wasn't out at Blockbuster. And it wasn't before, it was before the internet. So uh, I just asked people, what it was it like? And people kept saying, there's a lot of neon and a lot of smoke. So I got <laughs> friends <laughs> A lot of neon and a lot of smoke. Well, you captured it perfectly. Thank you. You're, you're my hero, Alan. It, it was like all those pieces were custom made. Um, and then we just kind of guessed that, you know, a futuristic um, – kind of time ahead kind of look oh. and uh, went for that. So uh, that an answer to uh, the neon and everything else that it was it was custom made. And no, I don't have it. I wish I did. I wish you did too. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of sets I wish I would have kept, but I, I really didn't have the room to uh, I know how that goes. Uh, you know, from the time to Vanity Six to to Princess stuff, um, I just didn't have the room to store. Right. So once it was used, it was used. Yeah. 
And luckily memorialized, right? Yeah. We, like we we get we get to we get to see it still. I mean, like it's it's forever imprinted, right, in, in our minds. Alan, were you involved in all in the um, the nineteen ninety nine box release? Um, I was. I mean, they used all my photographs. They used your photographs, right? And uh, all I can say from that is that they were pretty sure to use all those photos. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're pretty true to the original. Um, and uh, so I guess that was pretty good. That was fun to see. It was like stepping back in time to see it. Yeah, I'm sure it's similar to what Sam shared about One Night Alone. Right. Yeah, thank you for that. So, um, Matt, I'm going to let you ask your question to Sam. Well, before I ask the question, I don't know if Sam remembers this, but before he even worked for Prince, he and I waited for hours and hours and hours at the MGM. Uh, what was I don't what was that club call where Prince played? That before was Studio Fifty Four, right? What's that? Studio Fifty Four, right? Studio Fifty Four. Yeah. We were we were there together, waiting for hours for that show. It's good to I see you again, brother. I do remember. Thank you. <laughs> good to see you too. Yeah. My, my question was, um, uh, you know, it's always fun to look back at Prince's tour books. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, Sam has created four. He has designed four of Prince's uh, tour books. Which one is your favorite of those? Which one are you most proud of and why? And then also how hands-on was Prince uh, in the creation of those? Did you just show it to him and, on the computer and then he'd, and he'd say yes or no? Uh, tell us about that process. Uh, yeah, so, you know, after I was uh, involved first just doing web stuff and then as Steve Park kind of moved on I got brought in to do more creative things and more of an art director role which was really great and um, yeah the tour books were a lot of fun I would say the one that I the one the image that really stands out to me is the cover of the musicology tour book um, that Afshin took because I just spent a lot of time on that photo and uh, everyone you know, it's nice to think that Prince looked perfect, you know, he woke up like that, but um, that wasn't always the case. <laughs> and I know, I, I think Afshin would back me up in saying that sometimes there were instances where Prince would get Afshin, you know, to come to his hotel room or something and say, yeah, let's do some photos. And he would just kind of, you know, wouldn't necessarily be 100%. And he would just say, well, Sam will fix it. <laughs> and that was kind of my role was to go in there and like, move things around and you know, trim up his whiskers and everything. So I spent a lot of time on that cover for the musicology tour book and I was really proud of the way it came out. Um, I really enjoyed that process and, and yeah, he was very hands-on. So um, I lived in Chicago, he was in Minneapolis most of the time and I would usually fly up there about once a month and it would be like a week of just solid work, him and me on whatever we were doing. So. Most of the time it was uh, <clears throat> him sitting over my shoulder, giving me directions, saying, move this, change that. Then he'd disappear for a while, go do whatever in studio A or B. And then he'd call and say, you got something to see? And I'd say, yep. And he'd come up and he'd check it out and he'd give more notes and say, move this around. You know, like I said before, he was very opinionated, uh, which for me was great. Like some, some people I think probably would let their ego get in the way and be like, think that they know better. But my feeling was always like, at the end of the day, it's his image, it's his name on the book. Like, if that's what he wants, then I'm here to make it work. And I think that's why we worked uh, well together for so long. So um, 
that's one that the musicology cover stands out to me. And I'll just back that up uh, before I said Sam's a magician and he was a magician on that one because we took that picture at four in the morning. I had already gone to bed when my phone rang at like 2.30 in the morning. Prince was saying, are you up? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm up. He said, okay, come on over. And so imagine a 4 a.m. photo shoot after a long day uh, with no equipment or lights or anything. Um, <laughs> and Sam made it look like <laughs> he, woke up he was up and running, yeah. I love it. So Afshin, as you're talking, I'm, I'm like, I'm here like looking through everyone's work. And Afshin, one thing I'm looking at in your book is the 3121 parties. So um, like the year before my mom passed, I, I woke her up in the middle of the night and I said, we're going to Club Rio. We're going to go check out Prince. Right. And she was like, but it's, she was a teacher and she was like, it's open school night. I'm like, you're not going to make it this year. And I'm glad that, that happened because unfortunately the next year she passed away of um, pancreatic cancer. So that like, that's like, like my last memory of going to a Prince concert with my mom. And I'm looking at the 3121 pictures and I'm thinking, damn, I always remember wanting, like wanting to be at those. And I had, I had a taste of it at Club Rio. I went, I went for the first two nights and it was dope and it was amazing. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what was Prince generating at that time? Cause I mean, a part of marketing and branding is, is creating the exclusive brand, right? You, you know, when you've, you've been invited to the party and everybody wants to go to the party, um, you know, and Prince did that with these 3121 shows in his home and it, it was last minute and it was, you know, exciting to be invited. And here you are as the photographer capturing uh, this moment, these moments. So can you talk about this? And I'm sure being waking up at 3.30 in the morning when you yourself have a family, you have a wife and a family going on. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience in, in, in memorializing this time period? Yeah, definitely. Um, those were probably some of the, some of the, the best times um, and some of the greatest memories uh, of working with Prince. But the, I think a couple of things that a lot of people don't know about those parties. Um, one that you probably know that 3121 came from the address of the first house that he had um, leased or rented uh, in LA and where he started throwing those parties. But we were also making a film at the time, the 3121 film. And so a lot of times these parties were just a way to get a lot of extras and you know, he'd have a party scene, but we, he would throw a real party, people would come over and then we were filming it. And so a lot of times we would film a lot before the big party kind of came around, but they were initially um, just uh, like sets almost for the 3121 film. And then they became a thing and he started throwing these parties after kind of major um, Hollywood events. So whether it was the Oscars or the Golden Globes or the Emmys or even the Grammys, um, and it was the hottest ticket in town. People would make their rounds of, of whatever the parties were, you know, the governor's ball and Elton John's, but the Prince party was the last stop and, and, the, and the biggest ticket. And it was just really fascinating in terms of Prince um, as an icon is that people would come to these parties, people that anyone else would look at and say, okay, these are like A-list celebs. It's, JLo and Tom Cruise and you know all these people are coming but the second they're in Prince's house they're just groupies and fans and um, to, to watch these people 
um, in in Prince's presence was uh, being awestruck was just really um, really neat. I mean, it just talked. It, it spoke to uh, his significance as an artist and a musician and and as an icon. Um, but shooting those was a lot of fun. It was it was half um, it was half work and and half play for me um, because there were no you know a lot of times he didn't even say come shoot these parties. I was there and I had my camera and I would photograph and sometimes he'd be like you know don't even I just want everyone to chill and I don't want people to feel like you know there's a camera uh, there and they're kind of editing what they're doing. Um, but he did definitely appreciate the pictures because a lot of times he would, whatever I had shot, he would have printed and put in frames. And then I, I would, and probably Sam can speak to that because he probably did a lot of it, but I would go to the house the next night and some of the pictures from the previous night would already be in frames and up around the house, um, which, which was really interesting. Uh, and then the parties continued even uh, the next year when he was in another house, he went and changed the physical address of the house to 3121. <laughs> I'm sure it drove the, the mailman crazy, but you know, it became uh, a thing. And I don't know where, where that was in terms of the timeline of the album um, versus the parties. Obviously, the parties in the 3121 came first, but then the album. So um, they were pretty great. And, and uh, I think it was a time for everyone to, to let, their, let their hair down. And he also, the other really kind of cool thing about the parties was that he had instruments set up. And so he played but the instruments were there open for anyone else to come. And there was a lot of musicians that, that came through that would get on the instruments and kind of jam with Prince. And that was another kind of highlight of the party to, to be there and to, and to see um, Stevie Wonder or Alicia Keys or um, a number of people, you know, get on and, and, and jam with Prince it was fantastic. Joni Mitchell. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey on the bongos often that, that was usually yeah late late night Matthew McConaughey on the bongos uh, how was that uh, it was hilarious did he need more cowbell or was he on was he on point yeah exactly more more cow no it was a more, more cowbell, cowbell was needed <laughs> so yeah. Sam Sam talked about you know Prince being like at the time when Sam was working with him him becoming a Jehovah Witness and being enamored with Sam and his family. Afshin, I know, you, you know, I, I love your posts about your wife. You adore her um, and your family. So beautiful. I have, I have so much commentary about Yara, if you ever want to hear it. I think as an educator, I'm so inspired by her. I think she's delightful. Um, you captured a lot of pictures of Prince and Manuela. Um, and at that time, like who was Prince in your your opinion as a husband? You know, I I, I love Manuela. I've done, she's done like a different in a perfect world, uh, charity work, and I've joined into that um, from the educator angle in my life. Um, like what what did you see within their relationship? Because there's some pictures in your book about them, and it really you know really captures like this. I'm looking at the beautiful moment in Vegas after the show. Right. Like we always know Prince as a musician, but there was you know, this definite evolution of who he was as a man, uh, beyond right. the dirty mind and the underwear, he, you know, he, he, he evolved beyond that space. So what would be your commentary on that, Afshin? Um, well, I'm, I'm usually pretty hesitant to talk about his, his relationships. Um, what I can tell you in terms of the evolution, because like I had said, when I first met Prince, he was the rock star Prince 
skinny, tight clothes, you know, a uh, 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 slave written across his, his cheek. Don't look, don't look at him in the eye. Uh, mm-hmm. And I worked with them almost continuously for close to 20 years from that point. And so I saw the transition from Prince, the rock star, to Prince, the, the mature um, statesman that, that I feel like he became. So I got to see that evolution. And, um, and even the transformation from, from the rock star to the Jehovah's Witness, um, I was at Paisley Park actually the 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 day that his mother passed and we were going to shoot something that day and we ended up not shooting it and I remember that that was a, a big change happened after that and as a result of that obviously he was very close and so that was a very devastating and, and life-changing experience but I also saw the the evolution of his relationships because I was there when he was uh with Maite you know and then through Manuela uh, and, and post that. And I think, um, again, I'll, I'll show you just one picture, but I think this, this is the mature prince as, a, as opposed to um, the earlier prince that I first got to meet. Um, and and I, I can't say this, I mean, I, I don't know where their relationship went, but there, that he adored Maite and he adored Manuela um, almost to the, to the same degree maybe in different ways in different times, but when he was a husband for at least a period of time, the, the full focus was there, but he had a lot of interests. And so there was, there was a lot uh, that I think would make it really difficult to have an intimate type relationship uh, with Prince and not just because he was a rock star and that he had access to a lot of women or people kind of throwing themselves at him, but he had his passion for his music and his work. And so there was a lot um, that took his attention away potentially to, to what would nurture a relationship. And I think for that reason, maybe because he didn't necessarily have it within his own life, he appreciated, you know, seeing Sam and his family and, and, and similarly me and my family and his closeness um, with them and with our children um, was probably something because he he didn't have access to it himself. But also it was the kind of thing where he could say goodbye <laughs> and, and we were out versus it being a full-time permanent thing. Um, I just want to say, I want to say one thing. Actually, I included that in my little um, introduction to all of you, that same photo that you just shared. I love that particular period because I call that the gentleman period. Like mm-hmm. he was just so gentlemanly. Like, you know, even though I was like, oh, he's so buttoned up. I, I also appreciated that he like sort of came full circle and became like, a, he just seemed like, he's always been self-confident, but he always, he just seemed really self, self-contained right. in a certain way, like a, a certain level of peace. And he had like this just, gentlemanly like you know this gentlemanness about him that i just like really appreciate it and that's actually one of my favorite photos i love that photo because it's just like but also robin i think like it's a it's the time period you know i think between like the sam and the afshin years like prince stopped believing he had to prove himself worthy like he stepped Mm -hmm. into a worthiness and understanding of his excellence and dynamicism as a musician you can you know, see it in his face yeah there was just like this is who i am 
here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm Prince, and I'm going to be unapologetic about it, but not in the arrogance, like watch, show, watch me show up and be so mysterious that you can't see me. I'm actually going to allow you to see me, and mm-hmm. this is it. You know, I, I, I appreciated the musicology into 3121 time because it was just like he became so clear of who he was for this world in regards to music. And I think that that's very different from the time period where Alan was, um, you know, of course, in the emerging Prince years. I'm going to shock. I'm going to be in my underwear. I'm going to I'm going to keep on doing jazz hands until the place that I don't have to do it. I remember going to Call Black after Prince got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He did a show here in New York at Club Black and Michael Phillips was on stage um, playing sax. And I remember being in the front row and staring at Prince and Prince telling me like, stare at him. And I'm like, no, I'm staring at you. And he's like, no, stare at at Mac. But he had come to that place. I remember that that moment where it was like, no, the music, right? I am the music, right? So therefore pay attention to the music. Don't worry about me and my drawers. Don't worry about me and my heels. Don't worry about me being jazz hands because the music speaks for itself. And I think that, you know, Sam into the world of Astrid really speaks to that moment where he, he became clear about his value. Um, and I think we rode out the time from that, from the early nineties to, you know, where he left us in that space mm-hmm. of, I am worthy. I am, I am the greatest guitarist of this particular generation. Like he stepped into that powerfully. Whereas before, I think it was, there was a, there was a piece of let me prove myself, which I guess is, you know, the, the emerging piece of any artist who's coming up. But I, I definitely, remember that musicology piece and you call it the gentleman years robin yeah because he didn't have to show his skin no more he didn't have to be naked but anymore he was still just and he was still beautiful yeah. and he was still sexy <laughs> and he was still fun and he was still talented without having to do all that you know look at me look at me i, I, think, don't, I, I don't know um ashley and sam you, alan you know please both, chime in you're both i think you're both perfectly right he just he didn't have anything to prove to anybody at that point and he realized it um, and he was at peace a lot more so from then on than I had seen him in the, in the previous 10 years that I had, you know, worked with him. Right. So it, it definitely was, was a big change. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, for me and Afshin also, when we started working with him, you know, that was a period of time where he was essentially an underground artist. I mean, he had done rave as on a major label, but he hadn't really gotten, the same Prince popularity since he'd done the symbol and all that people had kind of wrote him off. And so to go from working with someone as essentially an independent artist to then blow up in 2004, where he's on the cover of Rolling Stone again. I mean, that was quite a whirlwind experience, at least for me. Um, But it it felt for him very natural. Like it didn't feel, he didn't seem surprised at all about anything that was happening. Like it, it just all felt like, well, of course this would be happening. Of course, like I'm going to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. And of course I'm going to play the Super Bowl. And it was all just very like, yeah, this is where, where it's at. I think the musicology tour was definitely 
you know, you saw a real celebration of this is my music. You know, he did a lot of different songs that he'd kind of shunned up until that point. And the, the vibe of it was very like a party. I love it. I love it. So what advice would you give your Wait. younger, the young, uh, oh, you have a question, Robin? I want to ask my question. All right, go ahead. I, okay, so this sort of came up a little bit. Um, it's going in a slightly different direction. Okay, I want to know, um, it seems like Prince had, seemed to be somewhat of an avid photographer in his own right. And I wanted to know if you ever saw some of his work as photographers, like what you thought, did you ever give him advice? Um, do you think he was inspired or influenced by you? I'm asking the two photographers. I don't know if Alan is still there. Is he still there? He's oh, he's there. He's there. I just because I, I mean, like going back to like the bio, the autobiography, autobiography that was published. He's on the cover holding a camera at a very young age, like a teenager. So I was like, oh, so he actually had this thing for photography himself for a really long time, I think. So like, I want to know, like, did you ever see some of his work? Was it any good? I mean, he was so great at so many things. I was just curious to know, like, have you ever said, no, Prince, like, you should really, like, angle like this or how, how, how? <laughs> no, he, ne he never brought it up to me. Really? Yeah, never. So you've seen the cover of that book that was published. He's holding a, a camera. Right. And he never talked to you about photography? That's... Never. Huh. I, I think maybe it, it was something that just came on later. Um, he, he definitely was interested in photography when I was working with him. And, um, and the fact that digital cameras now gave him that immediate kind of uh, report back and all, almost gratification to see the image um, I think was important to him. And he actually pushed me to start shooting digital because he wanted to see the images right away. I, mm -hmm. I first started shooting prints on film um, and digital cameras were not that great. I think, I think um, Steve Park has talked about having to use some of the first digital cameras and how horrible they were. And, and they were maybe slightly better when I was working with them, but what he wanted was to be able to see the images right away. But he was interested in photography so much so that I actually bought him a camera, uh, and, and I just jokingly said, "I'm I'm happy you you can't um, duplicate yourself because then you wouldn't need me." Because he was, you know, he had a very unique, unique eye. Not so much with lighting and and, and things, but you know, um, he had by the time I started working with him, you know, he had worked with some of the greatest photographers. He had worked with Alan, who's here, and Abaddon, and you know, Herb Ritz, and so. Uh, a lot had um, through osmosis he had absorbed and so he knew a lot and for me um, I, I do have to say I learned a lot from him I think Matt asked about lighting and in, in many situations not with the photography but when I was filming him when we were doing motion stuff uh, I would light a scene and then he'd eventually come down look around and he'd ask me to turn off two or three lights you know uh, and I would and somehow it actually end up looking much nicer so he had been around it for so long by the time I came around that he definitely had an opinion and an affinity um, and, and enjoyed photography. And so, yeah, I bought him, I bought him a digital camera. <laughs> like here, when I'm not around, uh, you have a toy. Not that he couldn't have bought one for himself, but. Yeah, well, and he, you know, I, I often say that if 
Prince knew how to use Photoshop, I wouldn't have had a job. I mean, he, <laughs> he definitely wanted to do just about everything. I mean, he was very interested in everything. I think Eric Leeds had said the same thing about playing, you know, saxophone. It's like if, if Prince felt he was good enough, he would have just done it himself. And so that was true for, for a lot of things. But, you know, the, as far as seeing his photos, um, you know, I mentioned it before, but like there were a lot of times he'd be setting up lighting to shoot a photo of a friend of his or the band. And, and I was just around, so he'd use me as a stand-in. So I, I have a bunch of photos of myself <laughs> taken by him. Yeah, not purposely, but I still count them as photos by prints of myself. So, um, right. So, but yeah, like you were saying, I think the digital camera really was something he was definitely interested in and glad that he had the opportunity to try something that made it easy. I just thought of something too. I remember um, Susan Moonzy posted this photo of herself from the Apollonia Six album, and she said it's like the one with she's crying or whatever. She's a tear coming down, and she's holding a teddy bear. She said the Prince took that photo, and they used it for the album. So I was like, okay, this must be a thing. Am I the only person who saw that? I saw it. <laughs> huh? I, I saw it. I can co-sign on that for you. Okay. <laughs> So I'm just, so being that Alan was still around in those days, I'm just like, kind of like, wow, he didn't talk about it. It's interesting. Maybe he wasn't I mean, how, how, how he defined yet. himself. Maybe he didn't see himself in that light necessarily. Yeah. So he relied, relied on others to do it. Yeah, yeah I did. Never, I, he never I took photos on him. Um, I was there anyway. Or he never had a camera. He never had a camera? Never. Never. That's amazing. Oh. And we had a lot of photos, so it, it, it wasn't a rare thing. I mean, we pretty much would shoot four days a week. And he would call me up at four in the morning, too, and, you know, come out and shoot, you know. Um, it was it was weird. What? I mean, the four in the morning stuff. Uh, self and can kind of uh, relate to when you're called up and you don't realize that you're doing a actually doing a shoot at that time of the morning. It's tough. Did any of you ever just tell Prince, no, I'm not coming out. It's 4 a.m. I need to get some sleep. Did anybody ever say that? I will tell a funny story. I have a friend who um, actually was friends with Prince's lawyer. I can't, um, I can't remember his name. Londell. Anyway, Londell. And she called me late one night and she was like, you have to come out. Londell just invited us out. Prince is going to be there. You have to come. And I'm like, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> I could have kicked her off. I go. <laughs> Of course, she never invited me again, <laughs> but I needed that job. So I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I have to go to work. <laughs> I just want to know, am I the only dummy who ever said no? <laughs> yes, you are. I can answer that question for the guts. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, when, you were, when you're working with him and you stick around a while, it's because you can kind of go with the flow. Like he needed people who could kind of go with his flow. He wasn't, you know, it's kind of a cliche. People say that he didn't work on other people's schedules. He worked on his own, but it was definitely true. Like if he wanted to do something at four in the morning, why not? Like he just thought like 
This is when I'm up. This is when I'm active. Why not do it at four in the morning? Um, and so if you were cool with that, then you'd stick around a while. If you weren't cool with that, then you'd find somebody who was pretty much. Right. Yeah, I would imagine Clearly, I need my sleep, so I wouldn't have lasted very long. So there you I go. I can't believe she didn't go. After she called, I'm like, you didn't go? Why didn't you go? I didn't tell you about that? You did tell me. You told me in real time about that. And I was like, you should have gone. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm managing Department of Education calls about teachers returning to work tomorrow right now as we're going through the show. So I'm like, I'm very clear on respond to the call. Um, so, <laughs> like, really. So um, the question I did have though was about what advice would you give to your younger, the younger versions of yourselves, knowing you're going to be working with Prince, considering what you know now. What advice would you give? And then that, of course accelerates towards thinking about young artists who are coming up, what would advice would you give to them? So that trajectory, who you were, what advice would you give your younger self considering working with Prince? What would you tell younger artists who are on the rise? I wish I had a answer to that. I actually don't. Um, I had to do the ultimate because there was no Photoshop. Um, there was no touching it up there was no um, um back then there was no internet no cell phone um either you had his phone number you didn't so i don't know if i actually would have a younger younger self to say you know do this better or do that better because i had to be the best at that moment technically Someone else can chime in whatever they want. Yeah, that, that is a tough question. I can't, I, I really can't think of a, a, anything other than um, having photographed him even more. They were just, you know, just having my camera um, with me at all times when we interacted, when we went out. The difficult thing with that with Prince is that he didn't want to be photographed all the time. You know, every conditions had did to be Did he make requests, right actually? Like, did he say, like, now's the time for photography or, like, now's the time for not? Did he, like, clear? Did he have, like, boundaries around that? Well, he didn't with me. I mean, uh, my wife the, 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 I couldn't put it on the bus the idea. Uh, when I was on tour. Because um, I think that was his home away from home. So. There were some beautiful shots. I think I missed yeah, because of that, but um, I oh. couldn't do that. No. I could take anything else but that. No, honestly. The tour bus was home, so like, no. No right. pictures. No pictures. Yeah, he, he similarly, I, I did three tours with him, and there was nothing that we did on his tour bus uh, image-wise. Um, and then in terms of off- off limits, it, it was, I mean, if we were planning a photo shoot, if we were doing a photo shoot for something, then obviously that's what we're there to do. All the other in-between times, whether it was on tour or we were out, um, I would have my camera and I would, um, I would kind of gauge the situation and occasionally I'd pull it up, but if he didn't want me to take pictures for whatever reason, he would just kind of look over and there was, you know, a, a, a silent communication between the two of us. And I knew like, okay, chill right now. Uh, and sometimes he'd look over and be like, okay, why aren't you taking pictures? I'm hanging out with Sam Jackson, you know? So th there was the opposite 
it was the opposite end of it uh, too. But we were able to kind of communicate non-verbally and I knew if it was okay or if it wasn't. And so the advice that I was saying is, I wish I would have taken more chances and just photographed him more um, in those quiet moments and, and just let him tell me, no, let's not do it right now versus me kind of self-editing to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Because um, I think, it's, like Alan said, I missed some some really kind of quiet, intimate moments that would have been really interesting. I was going to say that um, I think the advice that has served me the most actually has been to be a problem solver. You know, part of that with the flow kind of vibe is, is also, you know, if he threw something at you, don't just be like, well, it's just impossible. You, you put some thought into it and you know maybe it is impossible, but at least you thought about it and you considered it and maybe you tried some avenues and maybe something else happened. You know, that again, going back to the cliche of like him saying, I want a camel at three in the morning, that kind of thing. Um, you know, if you really think about it, he, he just, he's just asking like, can I get a camel at three in the morning? It's a question. And so, you can answer it like, no, that's crazy. You can say, well, uh, no, let me check. And you check. And no, you can't get a camel three in the morning. But you check. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> so I think it's part of that, you know, being a problem solver, not just going, no, I can't do that. And, you know, I think advice I would give my younger self differently is just to, I guess I would just try harder to do things that I wasn't familiar with. Like photography, for instance, I think I mentioned before, you know, he did give me some opportunity to shoot some photos and I didn't really, I didn't feel comfortable enough in it to really uh, pursue it that much. I kind of was fine with my work in Photoshop, but it, I, that would have been an interesting experience if I actually put more effort into it. Yeah, I mean, there is there is this element of like jumping into the dream. I mean, I mentioned going to Rio, uh, Club Rio for thirty one twenty one, and I remember waiting outside like before I went in. I, I love Bentleys, and I remember seeing this baby blue Bentley, and I was like, oh my god! And I remember telling my mom, like, look at this baby blue Bentley. It's beautiful. And I go up to the Bentley, and I'm like looking in it, and I see the symbol hanging from the the a rear view mirror and at the same time i see this very big security guard walking towards me and i was like tell prince he has a very nice car and I, I knew it was his car immediately and like the the stepping into arenas that you don't necessarily think that you belong in but you have a desire for there there is a magic around that and that that's one of the the big gifts I think Prince has definitely taught taught me. I've mentioned a few times that I'm an educator here in New York and I'm constantly pushing again, since like we we're earlier with, you know, the foolishness that we dealt with with the trolls. It's like I'm I'm constantly pushing against what I know to be possible for children and within public education. And I, I give Prince a lot of credit around what I think around like how big can you be and expansive you can be around your thinking about what's possible in terms of not only what can be created, but what can your contribution be to this world? Um, and, you know, and I really appreciate this conversation because it's so much of it has been around your creation of this brand and your creation of this marketing that has left us 
with who we know to be princess. Um, so I really want to thank you as, as um, artists within your own right of, of bringing that contribution and, and being in contribution to an artist who people would think, oh, he's good. You know, he doesn't need more. No, he needed more. He needed some Sam Jennings. He needed some Alan uh, Below. You know, he needed some Afshin Shahadi. You know, he needed some Troy Gua. He needed some of that to, to really help us understand who he is. Um, and I, I really can't thank you enough for, you know, being in contribution to that state because the more we create, the more is possible. Um, and, you know, as, as artists, you know, you each, and, and I've been along, I've been a Prince fan since, um, my good Lord, since I was the age of nine. <laughs> At the age of nine, I discovered uh, Prince uh, due to my cousin, Rachel, uh, who as, as like, she's that cousin to me. And I, and for everyone on the call, it's, it's been, I'm sure everyone has their own version of the story, but I can look back at the imagery you created and the, the excitement you created. And thank you for memorializing your work in your, in your books. And, uh, you know, Sam for, you know, revisiting One Night Alone. I remember being at Lincoln Center for that particular concert. Um, so, you know, like all of these things truly matter. Um, and, you know, in a world where we are post-Prince, um, it doesn't feel like post-Prince because it feels like he's very much still so with us. And it's, it's artists like yourselves who, you know, keep that contribution going and keep that creativity alive. So I can't thank you um, enough for joining us tonight around that work. Um, Robin, I don't know, I'll pass the mic over to you. For any final words for our amazing guests? Um, well, just I wanted to say thank you so much for saying yes to me. It means a lot. Um, as Maury was saying, it's like she definitely is someone who thinks big. And she's just like, I'm like, ooh, maybe I should ask Sam Jennings. Do it. Okay. He said yes. Maybe I should ask him if he'll ask Afshin to do it. Do it. Okay. He said yes to So it was like, uh, definitely, um, it's been such a fun experience putting this show together. Unfortunately, we had that little situation in the beginning, um, but I just want to really say thank you for being awesome, for joining us on this conversation, on being open to questions from our participants, because it really means a lot to them. Like Maury has said this on previous shows, like we do, we've attended some of these kind of things and it's usually the host and the guest and they just talk to each other. But I know that it also means a lot for the participants to be able to communicate with you, show their love to you, ask you questions. So I just wanna thank you for being open to all of that and for joining us tonight. Um, and just thanks everybody for being awesome and for signing on <laughs> and staying with us. <laughs> thank you and it's good to see everybody. Um, I wish I could meet everybody in person. Um, I wish we could too. That is another thing I wanted to say actually. The reason why we're also doing these things is because we can't be all together in person yet because of this crazy virus in the world that we live in. So, and hopefully one day we could bring this to you in a situation where we could all be together and really like have a real face-to-face -face conversation. But we also feel like this 
situation for us Prince fans. It's a way for us to continue to connect with each other um, and share ideas and share thoughts and share love around Prince and music and the whole bit. So thank you all. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Any, any final words from our guests? Any final words from our guests? I love everybody. Have a great night from Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Thank you, yeah. Alan. Thank you so much, Alan. Minneapolis. Thank you guys for, for, for doing this and inviting us on and, and really for just continuing his legacy. I think that's, that's really important. And I, part of what I hope to do is um, to, to inspire some younger Prince fans to, to you know, get to know him and, and listen to his music and, and dig into his artist, artistry, um, you know, because there's so much uh, transitional music happening right now that just kind of comes and goes and, and, and Prince's music, I think, will, will be everlasting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to, yeah, thank you for having me and uh, just reiterating what Sheen said, you know, just, you know, there's so, there's so much more to Prince, you know, there's plenty of people who talk about the best bass solo we ever had and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I appreciate people who um, are interested in the visual side of, of what he was about, because I think we all agree that uh, that was a really important part of who he was. And so, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. All right. Well, good night, everyone. Good night, good night, everyone. Good night. So wait, Robin, we want to do the sound off? Okay, well, we're going to play a little game. Um, our guests are welcome yeah, to one, stay. One, one last game. If you guys want to pop off and like do your thing, we know we've cut you for a really long time. <laughs> but thank Probably you so much, Afshin. I know you said you had to go. Thank you so much. And all the best with your family, Afshin. You're very inspiring on uh, Facebook, by the way. And my, my daughter, who is seven, loves... Loves, loves, loves Yara. So congratulations to you and your wife on just having a, a dynamic daughter. I know you have also, you have two sons as well who are, who are beautiful. Um, but as, as an educator, I am always inspired listening to her speak. Um, and thank you. Thank you. I look forward to keeping no. in touch with you as well. Please. Sam, yeah. thank you for the yes, opening, please. opening the door for Afshin to come on the show. Thank Alan, you, Sam. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you have done because you, 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 you have planted the seeds for us to grow from, Alan. So thank you. And Troy, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank he's you, thank you. He's gone, but he gets to still be thanked. Yes. Um, for for just being a constant inspiration. But Robin's gonna uh, and we're gonna end off here with our sound off. So Robin, you know how this goes, uh, Prince fam. Take care, everyone. Good night. Are uh, we going to do a sound off? Robin, you want to lead us off into that? Uh, yes. Yeah. So we decided that we're going to um, have you guys choose which is your favorite video. My name is Prince or whomever it may concern. So if you are all in on my name is Prince, give us a thumbs up. If you are all in on to whoever it may concern, give us a clap. But do it while the video's going, and we're going to try to tally the votes and see who's the winner. So let me uh, go and share my screen. We hope that you hang out with us, because after we wrap up, we're going to, after we do the game, we're going to wrap up and just um, announce our next show, which is going to be really fun. We had a lot of fun <laughs> choosing this particular topic for the next show. And then we're, Kat's going to play some music until I get sleepy. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, so hang on. I'm going to share my screen again. Um, let's see. Let me pull it up. Oops. Do, 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 do. Uh, okay, here it is. Share my screen. To remember and make concern, you must come to your senses. There are no kings on this earth, only princes. Power generation just taking control. Introducing my Tony M, Kirky J, Damon T. Sunny T. Tell us where the party be. Yes. Like a light. Tell me about a revelation in the dark, but we'd like a light. And she don't stop. Mm. I got something on this, baby. So what you want to do? And she don't stop. Mm. Levi, Michael B, and me, we get funky. <laughs>
folks okay so i'm gonna just put my vote in first i just love to whomever can concern it makes me want to go and you can't get to in shape because you don't have an, an hour to go do cardio every day oh well, nobody has time okay that. that's not a hacker that's me who forgot to turn off hour the past five ten years and i stay sub so what was it robin the high five was my name is prince You're on mute, Robin. Yes, I muted myself because I forgot to turn off the YouTube and the ad started. <laughs> um, I have to, I, okay, I, I think the high, the thumbs up was my name is Prince and the claps were to whomever may concern. Oh, okay, we're getting one, my two, name is Prince. three. People love my four. name is Prince. Five, six, seven. I see you, eight, Yvette. Oh. You got the real thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> nine, ten. Oh, you guys. Right, my name is oh, okay. I love to whomever it makes so it. It makes me want to go and listen to the. I'm going to go and listen to the symbol album now because it just brought back so many memories. And I thought that that track actually, even though it was a commercial, it was so funky. Oh, like, funky. that is the ultimate branding. It's just like, to me, it's funkier than My Name is Friends. It is, but, but My Name is Friends has its place. So thank you so yes. much for joining us tonight. Our next episode is entitled Come, Prince as Spirituality and Sex. In this episode, The Purple Paradigm, where we will, ex we will explore and navigate the intersection of spirituality and sexuality in the world of Prince. You know how we do. That's, that's a big one. That's, how, that's what he did. Right, that's a big one. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're welcome to hang out with us for I'm a little gonna need bit more. A bigger, I'm going to need a bigger mug of wine for that conversation. Yes, I think I'm gonna need a drink in the words of Morris Day for that one, right? So uh, please join us. Of course, it's gonna be on October 7th at seven o'clock. We always meet on the seventh of the month at 7 p.m. And DJ Raspberry, you're welcome to take us out. We're gonna hang out here for a little bit. Sam, you're the man. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Sam, you have been, you, like, you made this episode, Sam. You have been such a yeah, you, you have, like, helped us. You've been our lifeline in this episode. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We hope to have you back. Absolutely. Because there's always more to talk Thank about. Thank you, everyone. I will say, Thank you. I, will, I, I want to say one thing about Sam. Like, whenever I'm like, oh, Sam, I need this. He sends it. Him and Troy, like... <laughs> It was a, it was a dream to work with you guys on this episode. You made everything like just like perfect and fun and smooth sailing. Thank so thanks so much for that. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Sam, and thank you for bringing Prince into the 21st century because it's because of you. I know that the work that you guys did with the uh, with MPG Music Club and and actually and, and like that was really big, right? The exclusiveness of being able to buy tickets first and getting into sound checks and all that type mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, thank you for being a part of that of that world because it, it, mean, it meant a lot to us um, as people who really love Prince. Um, and, and I wish you continued success. 
with all you have coming for you, you and your family. And God bless. Thank you so much for being with us on this right. journey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, DJ Raspberry, the floor is yours. And fams, we'll see you next month on see the 7th at 7 p.m. Thank you so much for joining in. Thank appreciate you. Feel free to hang out and listen to music. I'm going to take a bathroom break. <laughs> and keep my computer on. I hope you keep the same. <laughs> Night.